is symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hulkamaniacs, me and the ultimate know what we're facing when we go to war in SummerSlam against Sergeant Slaughter and his troops. We know they've got us outmanned, but we've got them outpowered. We've both got the heavy artillery, and we're playing by Slaughter's rules, which are no rules at all. Could be chemical warfare, could be hand grenades, it doesn't matter. But the terrain is going to make the difference. It's not the swamps of Vietnam. It's not the sands of Persian Gulf. It's the beautiful Madison Square Garden where all the warriors and all the Hulkamaniacs will unite to make the most powerful army of all, warrior. All the Hulkamaniacs and the warriors that have eaten the dirt from others and the sand that you have taken from Sergeant Slaughter. We have surrounded ourselves in a foxhole 10 foot deep. And as I stand with the most awesome force in the World Wrestling Federation, combined with the sickness of my warriors, let them speak and let the Hulkamaniacs attach themselves to the concrete walls of Madison Square Garden. Cause what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the Ultimate Warrior destroy Now, welcome to episode number 18 of the 24-inch podcast coming to you from Buffalo, New York. My name is Steve Bennett, and way back in December of 2020, I had an idea for a show, and I had an idea for a partner, and he was a wild maniac who loved Motley Crue and wrestling and lived in Sopranos Town, USA. None other than Dave Rollins. What's up, Dave? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Steve. And you mentioned Motley Crue. One time, about 20 years ago, they had a song, First Band on the Moon. Well, I'm going to change that. Right now, this is the first podcast underwater here in Sopranos Town, Yeah, USA. holy shit, man. Hurricane Ida. Kicking some serious butt. I'm kidding about being underwater, obviously. But uh, I'm very fortunate. I got a little bit of uh, water in my basement. But hey, I needed a bath anyway. But uh, yeah, Wild. I'm good. I'm fortunate. Yeah. The streets, streets around me are good, but uh, the main roads and stuff, I could only I went into work really, really late today because the road to get into work was closed, and I didn't take the long way. So they didn't even care. Just like, you know, whatever you could do, brother, because uh, it was crazy. And uh, we were ex- kind of expecting it, but I don't think to to that point, man, we were, oof, we're underwater. Well, something else we weren't expecting was to take as long in between – the last episode and this episode, but our schedules got a little bit of pa- a little bit packed at the end of summer, and uh, I I went to Pittsburgh for a few days, take a time out with the family, spend some time with a friend Matt. But we're and back. A special day for you. Yeah, I had my birthday, my forty first birthday. That wasn't bad. Happy birthday, much, brother! Much better than last year. You know, last year I was like, oh man, I'm forty, kind of riled me a little bit. But then you know, yeah. 
I'm, now until we get to till yeah. 45 would be the problem. Yeah, so I was good this year. Went to uh, dinner last night with some of the family, um, my parents, and uh, my mom and my dad were there, which is nice. You know, growing up, a di- uh, you know, with uh, divorced parents, but they always got along, um, so that's nice. And uh, we were all together last night. It was good. So um, get them together for for a night. That's nice. Like yeah. getting like you know Cornette and Russo together or something like that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> luckily they were always on better terms than that. Um, but a lot has happened since we were on last. See, I'm punk game back, Dave. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I'm going to try to do a little practice, practice what I preach here. Uh, I'm not a CM Punk fan. Uh, I do have some positive things to say about him though. Uh, but first I'll say why I'm not his fan in, in, in the right way. He just never really grabbed me. I think he's great on the mic, but that whole holding down the young talent skit, that whole thing that they do to appeal to this one type of crowd, this niche audience. He's good at that, and he really does appeal to that niche audience. But you're not going to get any more with that. They, most people don't even know what the hell you're talking about with all that stuff. They just want to watch wrestling and watch, want to watch a good show. I think if he came out maybe the next week or even that week and bashed that crowd, turned on them, I think they could move the needle that way because those people will cry. I, th- I think they would. I think they'd be very upset because they're a very toxic group. I'm trying to say that in the nicest way, just not for me. Anyway, I'm, I'm starting to drift off there into the negativity. But uh, hey, I got respect for uh, CM Punk. I'm not a fan of his in wrestling, but I think it took a lot of guts to get in the MMA ring, especially at his age. You know, people love to say he lost. Hey, he was in there, and that's real. You know, and his yeah. entrance music. His entrance music is insane. Uh, just one thing AEW's got going for him. They got Cult of Personality with Punk and uh, Judas Jericho, I think, are going to be in the top 10 entrance songs of all time. There's just, you know, uh, so mo- uh, there's some things of AEW I like, you know, because I'm a wrestling fan. But when those guys, those songs come on, my attention's there. But I'm already a wrestling fan. They need to, they need some new eyes uh, on this product. And unfortunately, I, I don't think Punk is going to do that. The way that people were acting that night, I would just say, I don't know, guys. I tried a couple times to type in anything, but, you know, type on social media, give my opinion. These people are so toxic that, you know, nah, no thanks. I'm going to keep my opinions to myself or right here on a 24-inch podcast and try to do it in an adult manner like I think I just did. I like, but, uh, I, like I like punk a little bit more than you do. Not much, but a little bit more. Uh, I love that match, yeah, with John Cena at Money in the Bank. It's, it's a really good match. One of my favorite matches from out of my era you know if yeah. that's if that's a way to put it um and uh i enjoyed it was a great pop uh, i was at a wedding that night oh yeah i was at a wedding that night and then we got back to the hotel and i said paul we got to watch this this wrestler came back and we watched the whole thing and she turned to me in her you know her you know five-year-old honesty and said why do you even bother to come back so it didn't it didn't pop her um she mm-hmm. she wasn't impressed Money. Uh, but like, look at it, it was okay. Um, I was surprised to see Sting had a son. Uh, of course, <laughs> you know it's bad luck for him. Of course, he has a son, and it ends up looking like uh, the crow instead of the really awesome beach guy. Bad luck there. Uh, and when his son didn't even hit puberty yet, he yeah, has him in there in the ring. It's bad luck. But um, then the next night was SummerSlam, and um. The WWF kind of answered back with Becky Lynch and uh, 
um, Brock Lesnar and Paula said, well, why does she call herself the man? She's a lady. Uh, that was kind of funny. And then yeah, uh, she, she, and she looks nothing like a man and, either. And the know? one thing I want to say about SummerSlam, Dave, it was Cena. And it is what I thought it would be is you can't have John Cena come back to lose every single match. It's it's going to be less effective every time because people are going to catch on that he's just back to put this other guy over real quick and never come back. At it's, some it's, point, he's got to get a win and then maybe give the, the win back. It just, you, you just, you're killing the guy off in a sense that there's no reason to bother. I mean... It was all that, all that talk, all that hype for him to just work this really weak story that they told where, like, he's this weak guy that could only possibly win if he rolls him up, you know. And, yeah, that's ridiculous. Which was a horrible story they told in the ring. And then he just took the pin and rolled out never to be seen again. I don't know. I was yeah, really bad. This is really bad. And if that's his future in wrestling, he might as well stop coming back, in my opinion. I 150% agree with you. Not only 100, 150%. However, that's in our eyes. Regular wrestling fans, quote-unquote, casuals for now. Even though we were obsessed with it in 80s and 90s. They're, they're also, WWE even, is catering to that niche audience. Because they don't want the guys that are, oh, he's leaving, he has to lose, that's it. No, how about you make a win one time to make it interesting? So when he comes back, oh, no, 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 no. He's a part-timer, he's got to lose, this guy's staying so it's like, are we know this already? So we know he's going to lose just to make these geeks in the crowd happy. I, I just don't understand it. And you look, you read comments on social media there. Everybody is exactly the same. You talk about sheep with politics and stuff. This is a 10 times worse. I'm not saying which side with politics, whatever, but because there's sheep on both sides for sure. sure. But this rest, this wrestling niche audience is toxic and it's insane. What about you? What you don't watch a movie. And, and want to know what the because this actor hasn't acted in a couple of years and he hasn't been on the show that well he's got to get killed off and he can't be the main star and he can't be oh my god like this is not what wrestling was made for and I, I i mean we all get a little bit like that like what's going on backstage and stuff like that we like to reflect on it now in the podcast of the past but that's not the way we were watching it then but I just I thought I, I thought the match was good. I didn't think the match was bad. It was okay. I didn't but, like uh, the story they told. With but the, it was just like you, you were telling John me, oh, Cena's you know, so weak. Yeah, you were saying you know Cena's going to lose, and I'm like, yeah, but maybe not. Let's. I, I always hope for you know, and I love Roman Reigns. I'm a Roman Reigns fan, but it's just the same shit. If the guy's not around, you know he's leaving. He's going to lose. Like, make you can't make it interesting. Like who? I, I don't know. Loss, they, wins they and it, losses. They hurt. did it right with Cena and Rock. Where Rock won, and then Cena got his win back. That is right. They got so much more out of that. And it took a whole year, two years, because you had the one thing, you know what I mean? So it kept everything fresh for two years. It, it wasn't so, it was starting at that time uh, with this niche audience and stuff. But it was kind of still a little, you know, the WWE were a little more uh, used to ruthless aggression type style. But, uh God, after that CM Punk quote-unquote pipe bomb is when all this shit started. You know what I mean? With this this fan base, the, the way the way they watch wrestling as critics. You can't just sit down and watch a whole movie as a critic. You got to try to enjoy the movie, then maybe pick apart a few things if you're like that. But you can't just sit down to it and say, hey, I, I got it. You know, it, it just doesn't work that way. Just just watch the show. But uh, we're, we're, we're – 
for people that are big wrestling fans still and follow the stuff on social media, etc., we're in the minority big time now. Big time. For the people that are on, following on social media. Yeah, maybe on social media, but I, I think you're yeah. missing a huge portion of the crowd there, though. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, I just mean the social media audience. Yeah. Um, I guess Brock Lesnar came back as well. You know, I like Brock, I guess. I probably won't see much of what he does when he comes back. You know, I don't like when he comes back and takes the belt home with him. That's not great for wrestling, I don't think. You need a champion to be there. But, I, I mean, I just assume he's coming back to lose well, it the depends. Reigns. I mean, he doesn't, certainly doesn't have to be at every Raw. And every no, 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 no. As long but as he's at the paper. You got to defend it once, there's, there's, once more month, than SummerSlam and Mania. There's monthly pay-per-views. They could just do the pay-per-views in one Raw. You know what I mean? And it, it would be fine. But the people would, would still complain. Yeah, I like just no assume I just assume he's back to lose to Reigns. So, but we'll see if it's yeah, man. That's we'll assume. I think he's I think he's a face actually uh, this time around. We'll see if it's any different, um, man. And like we've been saying for a few shows now, there's just a run of sadness. It seemed like it had died down for a couple of years, and now just it's like every time we do this show, someone else passes. Whether it was yeah, it's very bad again. Orndorff or whomever, but there's been a long run, and now a really just a young girl. I'll admit I I never heard of her until today, um, because I just wasn't into WCW. I I don't know. I didn't know who she was, but Daphne Daphne um, supposedly was on Instagram live last night and sort of alluded to um, potentially hurting herself, and she did, and she passed away, and it's just really sad. Um, but I wanted to say you know rest in peace to Daphne, and you know I don't mean any disrespect by saying I I don't know who she was. I mean I just yeah she she was um, didn't I mean. Uh, you weren't a WCW. No, fan I just didn't watch with. WCW. So. But uh, even uh, if you were watching WCW in the glory days, this was at the tail end, late '99 into 2000. She had a gimmick. Uh, she was a, she was like a scream queen, like a gothic girl that screamed. She was with a New Jersey native a friend of mine, Devin Storm, who was Crowbar and David Flair, and um, they had a little group there that were they were like psychopaths, and she would scream and scream. Top of the lungs, Chet, friend of the show, Chet called me today, all upset. And I had forgotten he loved her back then. She, it was cool. It was. Let me tell you, WCW in 2000 is much better than either, either promotion now. I've seen a cool you take, clip. If you take a Dynamite, a SmackDown, and a WCW 2000 and watch them all back-to-back, WCW 2000 is going to win. I've seen a cool clip of her winning a belt by mistake by trying to revive a guy, and they counted her, counted the pin. Probably. She, she was big in uh, TNA as well. I think this is another case, uh, supposedly a CTE. Unfortunately, sure could be. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. Just sad. Whatever the case is, pretty girl too. Especially for the way it played out, you know, for her to kind of be publicly, yeah, yeah. saying it, and then everyone's kind of panicking, trying to reach her, but just couldn't get there. Mick, time. Fo- Mick Foley, you yeah, saw that? Foley, he, I did see Foley. That was so sad seeing that he he had an old phone number. Because if a guy, if uh, let me tell you, if I was down in my luck and Mick Foley called me, I think I would get a little better. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's and, got that. And he's got you know he's got such a big heart. That guy, he doesn't. Yeah. You know, it, but. If he just had the right number, you never know. She might still be here today. Sure. So really sad. Rest in peace to her. I wanted to mention that. Anything else go on while we were away the last couple of weeks? Uh, wrestling-wise? Oh, I, think we, I, I know. Think we the it. White Lotus. The White Lotus. Should what be called the, the Brown world? Lotus. What in the I'm world? I'm not going to give away too much. What was that? I don't know what I wa- oh, it's like a car wreck. I don't know what the hell I was watching, brother, <laughs> but I watched it and couldn't stop, and I finished. David and I like to uh, recommend shows to each other. Yeah. And uh, I, I recommended some good ones to him. Uh, this one, we, we're still not sure if it was good or bad or what. But 
It's only six episodes. It's on HBO. It recorded during the pandemic, and uh, they got some real strict rules from Hawaii about what they could and couldn't do. They could only record either at the hotel or in a boat on the water. So everything takes place right there, kind yeah. of. And if you and it's, it's different. A satire. You like different. The only thing I can relate it to is a series. Remember, take take this word very wholeheartedly. Serious, a serious version of like a Napoleon Dynamite because it's something odd. Even Napoleon Dynamite is a funny movie, but you know there's something odd that's going on there that's different than other funny movies. It's like an odd feeling. Yeah, the, the that, I don't know what the name is for it, but this has that same odd feeling. Yeah, I think the the word might be satire. Okay, that, yeah, what is that what's define that? It's like a. Uh... Like an exaggeration, like a parody. You know, everything's kind of a parody. Yeah, but in uh, playing Dynamite, it almost felt like real. Like you knew a kid that acted like him a little bit, but you couldn't put your, couldn't put your finger on who it was like it, in your past or it's something. It's interesting because the way it's written, you're not really sure what side the writer is on, who he's trying to make fun of, you know? They're all they're all heels, pretty much. Is he trying for, to make fun uh, of the woke people? Is he trying to make fun of the people who are against the woke people? I think both. I think I think he's just making fun of this society in general, it seemed like, what's going on now. It yeah. didn't seem like... Satire. I thought I, I thought I told someone that there was there was one face good guy, but now I can't think who it was. I guess not. I, I guess not. If I remember, I'll let you know. But they're all heels yeah. in the show. The use of humor, irony, exaggeration, or ridicule to expose and criticize people's people's stupidity or vices, particularly in the context of contemporary politics or other topical issues. Hmm. So I mean, like it, it's like a feel, though, like almost like a feel you're getting while you're watching it. Yeah, there's that just you, this that, feel of yeah. silliness and exaggeration and yeah. oddity, and it's just everything's oddity, off. I, everything's off. I don't know. It's wild. It's worth checking out. Let us know if you watch it. I think it, so. Uh, what you thought of it. One last piece of news. This is news hot off the press. Steve's coming to New Jersey. Whoa. That's right. I booked my flight. Only 125 bucks round trip. Uh, I arrive in New Jersey on Wednesday. Uh, September 15th, so two weeks from yesterday. Uh, so less than two weeks away, and I'll be if we there. Have, if we have uh, AEW fans listening, they're going to be thinking that Steve Bennett's going to be showing up on uh, TNT and AEW Dynamite right yeah. here at the Prudential Center. No. Let's be make that clear that that's not happening. Yeah, I'll be there until Monday the 20th. <laughs> I'm going to see Pearl Jam on Saturday uh, at Asbury Park, uh, home of Bam Bam Bigelow. Yes. Uh, so I'll be uh, down in Jersey, and uh, Dave and I will be hanging out. And Without uh, a doubt. Damato will be there, and I already invited Chet. But if there's anyone in the Jersey area, oh, and I yep. think I invited um, uh, the guy, our, our friend in the metal band. Um, oh, Rocco? Rocco, yes. I told yeah. Rocco I'd be down there too. Uh, so if anyone's in Jersey and wants to come to an unofficial uh, 24-inch podcast meetup. Where are you staying again? Uh, I'll be in Alpine, New Jersey, which is where my okay. with my brother where far? he lives. Yeah. Uh, so I'm in northern New Jersey. I'll be up there, but we'll be all over the state. <laughs> Looking forward to it. September, great month. Yeah. Great month to fall. socialize, hang around friends. Yeah. So late, you know, late summer, early fall. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe Kevin Hogan, if he's not working. I yeah. Know listening. Yeah, so, hopefully uh, we'll get to see everybody. Yeah, but um, with the exception of Chet, I never get to see any of those people. So I'm really looking forward to something something different. All right, well, before that, before we can get to that, we got business today, and that's SummerSlam 1991, uh, our second SummerSlam show. Uh, we almost were able to put it out on the 30th anniversary of the show 
Uh, we were going to record that day, and I was going to stay up late and put it up, but it just didn't work out. I yeah, just close did, enough. didn't have it. So close enough, a couple weeks later. But it's the 30 years of SummerSlam 91, one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, you ready to do it, Dave? Ready. And it's so strange. This is just like a backwards show because so many of the great pay-per-views, like the main event is what's really, 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 really remembered. And, of course, the undercard. But this is like the undercard is yes. like so heavy on this one. The main event's kind of eh. Yeah. And I'm ready. All right. Let's take a break. Let's do it. Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 Years in the Making. You can find it on Twitter, at sports underscore caster, or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-Inch Podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast, at 24-Inch Podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown Pod. Twenty-four inch podcast back SummerSlam, nineteen ninety-one. One of my favorite events growing up as a kid, Dave. I always told you that SummerSlam always meant my birthday, and uh, usually. Uh, I would be able to order this, this uh, these events on pay-per-view, um, have some friends over, and I did this for SummerSlam 91. But we'll talk about that in a bit. Of course, before we can get to the show itself, we always uh, explore some Hulk's opponents, um, and he's got three tonight. Uh, Iron Sheik, who is in our archives, um, so you can hear his bio back on the Iron Sheik episode. Uh, which I love because it starts with a Howard Stern show clip. Good show. Uh, You can hear about Sergeant Slaughter either when we do the boot club, uh, boot camp match, or maybe WrestleMania 7. We haven't done either one, but we're going to save him for that. So that means tonight it's Adnan, the forgotten third in the match. Adnan L. Cassie is his name? Casey. 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 Too many it's letters. Pronounce Casey like the name, like Casey Jones. Right. That's how it's pronounced. I sure. believe that's how that's how I pronounce it. His whole name is Adnan bin Abdul Kareem Ahmad Akazi Al Farthi. Very dear, close personal, longtime friend of none other than Saddam Hussein. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight names in his name. He's going for some <laughs> kind of a... Uh, you know, and he was born March first, nineteen thirty nine, in Baghdad, Iraq. Uh, he currently lives in Hopkins, Minnesota. He's a graduate of Oklahoma State University, and this this I love. His wife's name Kathy Davis. <laughs> yeah, boomer, so. <laughs> and uh, his poor wife, she must feel left out. She yeah, needs a few more names. Yeah, and Dave, I'm so I don't mean to do this to you. But Oklahoma State are not the Sooners. That's the Cowboys. Oh, what's JR? That's Oklahoma University, not State. Oh, all right. Oof. Oh, same thing to me. Oof. Bad. That was bad. Uh, we're going to have to teach Dave about Bedlam sometime. That's okay. Um, 
But anyway, yeah, he was born in Iraq, and according to his autobiography, he came from a distinguished family, uh, with his father being a Muslim preacher. Uh, one of his high school classmates, Dave, was? Uh, Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein, yeah. Uh, and then he went on to have an amateur wrestling career in Iraq, and he attended Oklahoma State University, the Cowboys. I wonder if him and Saddam Hussein never went out cruising the air for chicks and stuff like that. Yeah, I wonder like... I to get a little deeper into that. Get a big gulp at the uh, yeah, Iraqi where, 7-Eleven. Where, where did Saddam go wrong there? We got, we got, we got to get into into the head of uh, Adnan Al-Casey and find out maybe. He's still living. Al-Casey so. Al and uh, and uh, Saddam, they, you know, they get out of class. They go down to 7-Eleven, get a big gulp, you know, maybe cruise the, cruise the main drag, shoot That's some all. pool, you know, maybe... You know, you know throw a little chips, sand around. You know, it's like, hey, baby, you know, Sri Law doesn't count in my house. You know, maybe something like that. <laughs> um, Casey wrestled for, uh, he started in Oklahoma in 1959 uh, under the name Adnan Casey. And uh, he wrestled for Pacific Wrestling uh, in the 60s and the World Wrestling Federation in the 70s under the Native American gimmick, Billy White Wolf. Billy White Wolf. And he won the tag team titles with. Uh, Chief J. Strongbow? Yes. Uh, he needed neck surgery and agreed to work an injury angle where he had his neck broken by... This I do not know. Ken Patera. Me... Wow! Via the swinging neck breaker on TV. Uh, after he left the territory for his neck surgery, the Indians were stripped of their titles. And uh, he wouldn't return until the early nineties. They his were they real were name. I mean they were over too. The Indians were very yeah. famous. You know, hearing from our fathers and stuff. You know, uh, in '67 he married the American woman Kathy Davis to become a United States citizen. Uh, during the '70s he took professional wrestling to Iraq under the direction of Saddam Hussein. Uh, in one such match, he defeated Andre the Giant in Baghdad. And he defeated the Scottish Ian Campbell and the Canadian champion George Gordienko in Baghdad. In 1978, he wrestled in Hawaii and was the master of the Indian death match. Um, and not long after that, he briefly returned to Iraq with the intent of introducing pro wrestling. By this time, his old classmate Saddam was the ruler of the country. By his own account, it was a difficult time. But Casey was very popular and had some success introducing professional wrestling. Saddam was already becoming paranoid about potential rivals, and he saw Casey in this light. So Casey fled back to the U.S. and never returned, uh, though he did keep contact with his family in Baghdad. People listening right now, that they might think we're kid you're kidding. Now this is real. Yeah, Saddam <laughs> Hussein. It's insane, actually, but it's, it's true. Yeah, I wonder why Vince put him in that gimmick as soon as he was available. Boom. Yep, he had to get the hell out. Um, <laughs> in 1974, he debuted in New Japan Pro Wrestling as the Sheik of Sheiks of Baghdad. Uh, he teamed with uh, New Japan. I have no idea. Nikolai Volkov, and they tried wow. to win. Uh, the NWA North American Tag Team, but they failed after losing a best two out of three falls match to Anoki and Sakaguchi um, in Japan. Later, he well, feuded with the likes people of... People that think that uh, Nikolai can't work. You know, he's in there, yep. you know, with those guys. Later, he feuded with Anoki and Sakaguchi and Horsh Hos 
Hoshino and Kido and all these Japan names I can't pronounce. Uh, then he came back to work for Eddie Graham, and he wrestled in Florida under his real name. Uh, from 81 to 89, he was in AWA, uh, and he was stated that his goal was to win the AWA title from Bachwinkle, but he failed the task, so he enlisted Jerry Blackwell, uh, now wearing a Sheik's outfit and renamed Sheik Ayatollah. And they teamed to try to win the tag titles, but they failed at that too. Uh, so now Adnan brought Kampatera um, from Bobby Heenan to team with Blackwell, and Adnan would act as Blackwell and Pantera's manager. So all kinds of stuff in the AWA, working with Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel. On April 23rd at the AWA Super Sunday in 1983, he teamed with Bagwell in a tag match against Vern Gagne and Mad Dog Vashon, which they lost. Um, finally, in 1990, uh, during the summer of 90, he aligned with Slaughter as General Adnan and managed him during his pro Iraqi gimmick. Uh, and then, of course, he has the match here at SummerSlam of 91 so that kind of brings us up to date on that a few other things later in life uh he joined the awf uh after wwf where he managed yeah. the rat pack of bob orton mr hughes and manny fernandez he also managed hercules there you remember the awf at all steve i don't it was on we had it on cbs here but it was, it was on like a two in the morning so it wasn't sure. on cbs everywhere this is when you know they would play localized stuff. But we had it on CBS Channel 2 here in New York at like 2 a.m. on a Sunday. And <laughs> I used to tape it and then show it on show it on Monday night after Nitro to all my friends. And we get the biggest charge out of it, you know, seeing like Bob Wharton and yeah. Hercules and guys we grew up with. And Alfred Hayes was on the commentary as a heel. And it, it, was, it was just great to watch, you know, after watching the Nitro. And sometimes I think there was no crowd there. You could tell the crowd was fake. And stuff. Everybody just got just got a big charge out of it. That, that brings back memories. Mentioning that, yeah, uh, he formally managed his own wrestling company, the World All Star Wrestling Alliance, which he co-owned with. Um, we've mentioned Sergeant Slaughter, Ken Patera. Oh, uh, good man. This is pretty interesting. On November twenty second, he appeared on Fox News's Hannity and Combs to describe his encounters with the young Saddam Hussein. Very cool. Uh, I would like to have seen that. Yeah, in 2005. He, what year What year was that? 06. 06. I wonder if we could YouTube that. It's something yeah. I've never seen. In 05, he published his memoirs, The Sheik of Baghdad, Tales of Celebrity and Terror from a Pro Wrestling's General Adnan. I'd love to read that just because it seems like he had a fascinating life. Yeah, he's still with us. Yeah, seems still alive. He was on something. So, somebody had him. Had I don't know if it was Hannibal or one of the guys had him. Uh, had him on uh, not, not too long ago. I don't think it was Hannibal, but somebody like that. Wild, wild. Well, the, yeah. sh the show tonight, of course, is at Madison Square Garden. And Dave, you were at that show, and we went over the garden last time. Uh, but I wanted to kind of talk about it a little bit um, uh, because the WWF has a sort of a – I mean, you can't talk about the WWF without MSG and vice versa. Um, actually, when MSG renovated this last time and they started to put these displays up all over the arena, there's a beautiful WWF display that has Hulk's boot. Um, really cool. So they acknowledge. Oh, yeah, Piper shirt. Yeah, Piper shirt. So it's, of course, something they acknowledge. But Actually, they, um, they I don't mean to cut you off, but um, 
I guess in 2015, uh, Hogan, they had a Hulk Hogan night at the Garden, and me and Tim were there, uh, front and center. Uh, Jericho got us tickets. We were backstage with Jericho, too, uh, for, for most of the show. And, um, you know, when Hulk, Hulk came out, we, you know, we went out into the crowd. And uh, they had this big ceremony, Triple H and dignitaries from the Garden. It was really cool, and they hung this banner of Hulkamania, uh, you know, 35, 30 years, Madison Square Garden, sellouts up there with the Knicks and the Rangers banners and stuff. We thought that it was a gimmick for the show, a house show. Weird, right? We thought it was going to be there forever. Then, like, you know, news got back to us, like, the next day or the next week that uh, the, the banners at the Hulk's Beach Shop, you know, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not really staying up there. Like, oh, man, like, we were so, you know, I was so proud, like, showing everybody the picture everywhere I went, putting it on Facebook and everything. And it was, and it, it was a gimmick. It's not like they took it down when you know, uh, crap came out about Hulk or whatever about no. a year later. It wasn't, no, they took it down immediately. It was just, it was just for the show. But uh, it was still cool, though. Well, so I thought I'd throw that in there. Just a brief kind of history of the company and the, and the, uh, the, um, the building. Originally called Capital Wrestling Corporation, uh, the territory was part of the National Wrestling Alliance, or the uh, NWA, of course. It was run by Vince McMahon and his business partner, Toots Mont. Uh, then the CWC, as it was called, ran shows at the Garden that were regularly headlined by NWA World Heavyweight Champion Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, who flashy style was a huge draw at the Garden. When the NWA decided to take the title off Rogers and put it on Lou Thez, McMahon and Mont, feeling that Thez would, wouldn't be a draw in the Northeast, including their home base of MSG, withdrew from the NWA in protest. Shortly thereafter, they formed the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, that is now the WWE in early 1963. And, of course, they made Buddy Rogers uh, the first champion. During those early days, the WWF ran the Garden nearly every month, or in some cases twice a month. And nearly every wow. world title change for the next 20 years happened there. Uh, Bruno San Martino won both of his championships there. Uh, Ivan Koloff, Pedro Morales, Bob Beckler, Darren Sheik, and Hulk Hogan all won the title there as well. Once the WWF expanded nationally, it became more common for the belt to switch hands across North America. But Madison Square Garden remained important enough uh, that a number of major title changes would continue to happen there. Uh, In the following years, Bret Hart, Diesel, Sid, The Big Show, CM Punk, Shawn Michaels, and Chris Benoit all won titles in MSG. That that Diesel one was a real throwback. Uh, It was a house show. So it was kind of... For fans like me, you know, I was a teenager then. It's like, wow, this is like, you know, 1984 all over again a little bit. So it didn't work, but, I mean, it was cool for the moment. So, of course, over the years, uh, MSG was also the mecca for WWF pay-per-views. Um, and maybe even backing up a little bit, it was also the spot, of course, of the birth of Hulkamania. Uh, when Vince Jr. bought the WWF from his father, he had a number of major changes in mind. Uh, unlike Vince Sr., who was more of a traditionalist and respected the NWA, even if he didn't agree with it, Vince was looking to take over the industry, which, of course, we know all this, but um, Hulk Hogan was propelled to the top of the roster, and after beating the Iron Sheik in a short match, Hulkamania was born in Madison Square Garden. Um, and then when the pay-per-view ad era started, it was launched in Madison Square Garden. Of course, WrestleMania One was there. Um WrestleMania 10, the first SummerSlam was there, uh, you know, WrestleMania 88, um, or excuse me, SummerSlam 88, I was trying oh. to say. Uh, SummerSlam 91, show yep, tonight. SummerSlam 91. Uh, they've hosted a number of pay-per-views in the Garden, 
Uh, WrestleMania 10, 20, three SummerSlams, including 88 and 91, three Survivor Series, two Royal Rumbles, and another SmackDown tapings. Now, the article I'm reading is, oh, yeah, 2021. So, yeah, that should be up to date then. Yeah, they um, haven't had a, a pay-per-view in there in, in quite some time, I believe, since Survivor yeah, Series 2011. Well, here's the thing. In recent years, the WWF has distanced itself for MSG on the grounds that the rent and broadcast free increases would make it difficult to make a profit there. In fact, the last pay-per-view at MSG was Survivor Series 2011. They continue to host TV tapings and pay-per-views in New York, but they're mostly at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn or MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. And the, the, the prices are so much better at Barclays. I looked at the prices yep. for SmackDown coming up at the Garden. People are praising AEW for selling out a lot of places, which is well-deserved to be praised, but their prices compared to... WWE at the Garden, like night and day. It's like quadruple WWE at the Garden. So you can't, it's like apples and oranges a little bit. WWE did host the 2013 Hall of Fame abduction. Well, I was MSG. there for that too. Yeah, but allegedly, allegedly it was, they did that out of respect to Bruno. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Very good time. The Garden responded to this by ending their exclusivity agreement with WWE and opening up their venue to non WWE shows for the first time. 2019 saw the first ever non-WWE show at MSG, which was the Ring of Honor uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Supercard. In what seemed like oh, a, thanks. It seemed like a panic move. WWE returned to claim their spot for a Raw and SmackDown taping at the Garden a few months later. Uh, as WWE begins touring again, they made a point of returning to the venue where they first made their name. Uh, it's no longer exclusive, but of course, it's a part of history. They even put out a Blu-ray, Dave, and a DVD set of the WWE at MSG, uh, which is pretty hmm. cool. And that's from... Did not know that. That's from a, B- a Brief History of WWE at Madison Square Garden. That's from um, uh, the website lastwordonsports.com. Uh, yeah, the Blu-ray, I got it right across from me. Uh, I think it was for 50 years, something like that. I'll grab it when we switch. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't recall that one. Switch the oh. tape, but yeah. Yeah, so um, actually, Dave, it has all the house. It has all the house show matches, obviously, and stuff on there. Yeah, actually, since it's your time to shine, uh, why don't you tell us where Hulk is? And while you're doing that, I'll grab it and then I'll tell you more about the DVD on the other yeah, side I, of Dave's business. I apologize if anybody doesn't like this segment; it's a little lengthy this time. Deal with it. <laughs> all right, Hulk Hogan, summer of 1991, leading up to SummerSlam '91, the show we're covering tonight. Uh, July 29th is a Superstars of Wrestling taping in Worcester, Massachusetts at the Centrum. 14,221 fans are there. The Hulkster, Hulk Hogan, defends the title and pins The Undertaker, 1-2-3, in the middle of the ring in a dark match. And this match can be seen on Hulkamania 6. Uh, I think this is just a way for these guys feeling each other out uh, to be working together in the future. Uh, August 2nd, 91, Nassau County Coliseum, 15,000 people. Now, this card is probably the house show I wanted to go to the worst. And we had tickets to SummerSlam, so my dad and uncle and whoever said, no way in hell are we driving you an hour, an hour away plus two, you know, another hour worth of traffic to Hempstead's and that's Coliseum for a house show. We're going to SummerSlam. Now, at this time, yeah, this time the, Metal, the Meadowlands wasn't running WWF for the whole year of 1991 because – Vince got pissed that they were allowing WCW in there. So I didn't have my Meadowlands. So that's probably one of the big reasons why 
my dad got me tickets to SummerSlam 91 because there was no Meadowlands, so I was going through withdrawal of WWF shows. But anyway, this show, Hulk Hogan defending the title in their only one-on-one match ever. This match didn't happen anywhere else against none other than 300-plus pounds of the Warlord. Hulkster pinned the Warlord in Nassau Coliseum. And also, the main reason why I want to go to this card Bobby the Brain Heenan went one-on-one with the devious one, Mr. Fuji. Wow. Yeah, they were running an angle at the Garden, and Heenan was the face. Check out the June 91 and July 91 uh, Mass Square Garden house shows, if anybody out there has access, and they run a little angle with Bobby and uh, Mr. Fuji. It's good stuff, and Bobby plays the face because he's going out of managing, going into the booth, so they let him go out as a face, and he pins Mr. Fuji here in, in Nassau to end out the... That little house show feud. I would have loved to have seen it. Peter Winston talks about this card all the time. And Keithy, no, but there's no footage of it. No handheld, no nothing. I couldn't go to it. What a shame. And now I'll keep going here. August 3rd, Indianapolis, Indiana, Market Square Arena. Hulk Hogan over Sergeant Slaughter in a Desert Storm match. August 10th, Des Moines, Iowa, Veterans Memorial Auditorium. Hulk Hogan over Sergeant Slaughter with the Macho Man, Randy Savage, a special guest referee. August 11th, happy 38th birthday, Hulk Hogan. Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Hulk wrestles on his birthday. He goes over Sergeant Slaughter in the five-season center with Randy Savage as the referee. August 17th, Landover, Maryland at the Cap Center. Only 6,000 fans watch Macho Man Randy Savage referee Hulk Hogan against Sergeant Slaughter. August 18th, Toronto, Maple Leaf Gardens. Only 5,000 fans. I was thinking maybe there was a misprint. Hogan over Slaughter with Savage as the ref. That's light for Toronto in a Hulk match. I know 91 were declining a little bit, but... 5,000, that's rough. I don't know. Maybe there's some weather there that night. Yeah, August 9, yeah, August 19, Rochester War Memorial Superstars taping in the dark match, Hulk over Slaughter. August 20th, Erie, Pennsylvania. It's a wrestling challenge TV taping. Uh, we have Ricky Steamboat and Mr. Perfect canceled because Mr. Perfect had a back injury all summer. Uh, the rumor is Steamboat and Perfect weren't going to go uh, feud with each other and have a series in the fall. That would have been amazing. And uh, that did not. It makes me wonder if Perfect never hurt his back, would he have gone over Brett in that match? Yeah. And kept kept the belt. You know what I mean? Interesting. So many things. And uh, I got a question mark here. No Hulk on a challenge TV taping. That's odd because Hulk was there the night before at the Superstars taping. So I don't know if it was a misprint uh, by Landy and um, Graham or not, or Hulk had to fly out to do something that day. And uh, then finally, August 26th, match made in heaven, match made in hell, Madison Square Garden. Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior face the Triangle of Terror. That's it. Nice job, brother. I got it right here. The best of WWF at Madison Square Garden. It's a two-disc uh, Blu-ray. And it's one of those where they don't have a continuous documentary, but they kind of tell the story and then weave in the matches. Uh, kind of as they go, like the Allied Forces Tag Team one or whatever that's called. Um, but, uh, Luger and uh, uh, Davey? No, the, the Allied Forces DVD set. The tag oh, team oh, one. Um, Allied Powers, it's called, actually, the DVD set. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, there's a Pedro Morales versus Ivan Koloff match from 71 on here. Wow. Uh, Billy Graham versus Bruno San Martino from 77, the championship match. But that was... Uh, Graham won, won the belt in Baltimore, so this had to either be before that. WWF or, Championship match. Superstar Billy Graham versus Bruno San Martino. Oh, is it, uh, yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. This is uh, this is where Superstar wins it. I'm sorry, the Baltimore match is uh, Backlund beating him. 
Yeah, June 27th, 1977. Bob Backlund versus Ken Patera in a Texas death match for the championship, May 19th, 1980. Um, yeah, a bunch of great stuff on here. Um, there's the boot camp match, Slaughter and Hulk from June of 84. Uh, Slaughter and Cheeky Baby. Or Slaughter and Cheeky Baby, excuse me. What did I say, Hulk? I meant Hulk. Cheek. Yep. Um, you know, there's some other stuff that we've probably seen. Uh, Andre the Giant and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff versus Rowdy Piper and Cowboy Bob Orton from August of That's an awesome match. 85. Yeah. Really good match. A lot of yeah, heat. So it's, and then there's a whole second disc with more modern stuff. But, yeah, and then in between the matches, they tell the stories. Of the, the chapters are called 50 Years of History, Ivan Koloff, Bruno, there's Backlund. How many Hulk title defenses are on there? Um... Obviously, the Sheik match is going to be there. The Sheik match is there. Probably WrestleMania. WrestleMania is there. Kamala? No, that might be it. Savage? No, that, those are big, big MSG house shows. Yeah, I guess that's on, those are on so many other things. Yeah. I, I may be, uh, listeners out there, I, I'm sorry, my, my brain tonight. I don't know if Backlund beat Superstar in Baltimore or Superstar beat Bruno in Baltimore. One of them was Baltimore. One of them was the Garden. I can't think straight right now. So before I get any hate mail, there's that. And then there's a bunch of great, like, Blu-ray exclusive, a bunch of uh, chapters they didn't include, like Mr. Fuji, Roadmap Warrior Animal, Steamboat, a bunch of stuff there. Bret Hart versus Million Dollar Man from December of 91 is on here. Great match. Yeah. Great view of Sherry in that match as well. I have all these great DVDs, and I'm keeping them forever because – I love that know. when the WWE was – it was it was like a little error where the WWE was doing these DVDs. Me yeah. and Anthony Pagano were, were always up on that. When, when they released a Brett one, it was Brett's homecoming to WWE yeah, the, the in Vince one. McMahon. Yep. And, we, yeah, we met him in the Willowbrook Mall. And I had like this uh, – like it was like that era where really cool like skull shirts were popular and stuff. That still is, I guess, but it died down a little these days. And Brett like, oh, I really like that shirt. I'm thinking of – Where'd you get it? You know, with that breath voice. He was like obsessed with my shirt. It had like some pink in it and stuff. Uh, maybe, maybe like it, not Ed Hardy. I think it was before that. But you know what I mean. You know, yeah. you know where I'm getting at. It all that kind style. of started with the Hulk still rules one. Yeah, yeah. And, and then Flair that, had it. Flair had a big one. The fall, the rise and fall of ECW was a huge one. Um, yeah, the flare, the white flare one with him wearing the butterfly robe on the front. Yeah, that was a. The, maybe we'll call it the DVD era. It's like yeah. 2003 to 2008 or something. Yeah, I got a bunch of good Rimless ones. Days. Yeah, a bunch of good ones. The best of Saturday Night's main event. I was like so excited when that one came out because yeah. it was before they had them all or whatever. Um, the greatest wrestling stars of the eighties. That's a cool Very one. good one. The manager one for yeah. the managers. Yeah, the managers one I have. Let's see what else do I got there. Greatest superstars a of the nineties. I got AWA had its own one. Hulk Hogan unreleased stuff. Uh, Hulk Hogan anthology. I got a Stone Cold one, a Savage one, a Steamboat one, The Rock. I got the Heart and Soul one, which is about the Hart family. Um, a Shawn Michaels one. What's that? The Rock, I think. 50 greatest superstars Shawn Michaels of all one. time. Oh, you, you need something to put your beer on. Yeah. Well, Coast sometimes I get these as like gifts. I'm sure someone got me that as like a Christmas gift. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, deep down inside, I... I um, there was an era too where if they put out anything that was 80s and 90s i would get it because it was the only way to see matches from that era so i didn't even care like who was in it necessarily who was on the front i just wanted the 
increase my content. I have a Vince McMahon it, one. Oh, that was a good one. I remember it was his face, like it's his face yeah, on the cover. Yeah. Man, but, uh, that reminds me of uh, the uh, this era. Reminds me of twenty four seven. God, did I love it! Oh yeah, it that started, was the it started to become that was the greatest to, of all time. It's starting to escape from my mind, but I was like in like in the prime of my life then. I looked the best. I was the most popular ever. It was just, just a happy time in my life, mid twenties. And I remember like work nights, like I think they would update it every Tuesday and it would just be like the greatest thing in the world. I'd be like yeah. up all night yeah. watching uh what the, you had to watch it because it would Hell go yeah. away the next week. It yeah. would go away the next week. Or monthly. Wasn't it monthly the contact? It's escape in my head. Yeah. It's escape in my head. I know like it, Justin and Scott captured a lot of their collection did they? through that. Yeah. I don't know if it was once a month every two every I think it Tuesday. Was monthly or maybe yeah, bi weekly. Yeah. It was awesome, whatever it was. I, yeah, it was, it was like I, two or I three, four bucks too. Yeah, I I don't even remember the price, but I absolutely I just I, you ever just loved the time of your life. You love this if you have any just, memories. And, and you know what else they were doing at the time every Wednesday on MSG Network they would show yep. three matches from a ha- from a house show. Yeah, they would so show like everything the greatest was hits coming back of W of WWE Unreli- I forget what the name of that show was at MSG, but it was awesome. Uh, yeah, that's when like MSG Classics. Yep, MSG that's when Classics, like our exactly. era, our era was being respected by the new fans, like the fans in two thousand five, two thousand six. Like Hulk was wrestling Shawn Michaels on SummerSlam and stuff. Like they loved all. Everything was working out great. The fans now, fast forward 10, 15 years later, it's it's a different ball game. You know what I mean? Uh, if you have any memories about a DVD in your collection that you got, or 24-7 or MSG Classic. Hit us up on email or social media. All right, we were busy, Dave. we got to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to read the news. Uh, and then SummerSlam 91. We're going to go over each match on the card. We're going to go over the main event, and uh, we'll give it a rating, too. So we'll be uh, right back. Back. It's summertime, and the living is anything but easy because it's time for SummerSlam. Elizabeth and the Macho Man Randy Savage request the honor of your presence at their wedding, where it will truly be a match made in heaven. And then nuptials turn to napalm in a match made in hell. Sergeant Slaughter, Colonel Mustafa, General Adnan, the Triangle of Terror, square off against the red-hot combination of the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan. It's time for red-hot action. It's time for SummerSlam. 24-inch podcast back. It's an episode we've been really excited to do at SummerSlam 1991. But Dave, before we can get to SummerSlam 91, Dave... We got to read the news. August 1st, 1991, actress Hedy Lamar, age 77. It's arrested for shoplifting in Florida. Wow. It's like it's like at that point you should just give her a high five. Yeah, who would have thought let that her, old let, bag? Let her keep let her keep the shit. Or she <laughs> should pretend like she has dementia. You know? Give her the old Joe Biden. Doesn't It'll get be much okay. better on August second. 
uh, Buffalo native Rick James is arrested <laughs> on sexual torture charges. That does not so- doesn't sound good. That's a surprise. I, I am a Rick James fan. I'm sure he didn't mean it. I'm sure he was. Uh, that just sounds, you know, a, on another, sounds on outrageous. On another planet, Rick James, bitch. Yeah, it sounds outrageous. Also on August 2nd, the Pan Am Games open in Havana, Cuba. Cuba. Uh, August 4th, the Greek cruise ship Oceanos sinks off the wild coast of South Africa. The cruise ship, David, sunk in South Africa. Something about being underwater and sinking is really ringing a bell right now here in Kearney, New Jersey. Unbelievable. August 6th, American softball pitcher Debbie Doom, which is an amazing name for an athlete, uh, strikes out 17 in her second consecutive perfect game at the Pan Am Games in Havana, Cuba, beating Nicaragua 8 to nothing. I'm a fan of softball chicks, brother. I like those, you know, kind of physiques they have usually, but sometimes they start wanting to play for the other team, if you know what I mean. So you got to watch out there. Debbie Doom. Intimidating. Uh, on August that is, 6th, that, that, that's a strong, that's what I call a strong name. Yeah. August 6th, Tim Berners-Lee releases files describing his idea for the World Wide Web. WWW oh debuts as a publicly available service on the internet. Back in 91. Imagine how it picked apart the show we're doing now. <laughs> Smarks on the oh 91 internet. Yeah. August... General Hedon in the main event. <laughs> August 7th, court rules. He's a manager. <laughs> the court rules that Manuel Noriega may access some secret U.S. documents. How about that, brother? Keep, I don't know, brother. Keep Manuel out of my documents. I'm still laughing about the marks in uh, 91. 91 Smarks. Uh, yeah. August 7th, the American team of Carl Lewis, Mike Marsh, Leroy Burrell, and Dennis Mitchell set the 4x100 relay world record of 37.67 seconds in Switzerland. Good job, boys. All right. Very proud of you. Yes, yes. Very proud of you. All right. August 8th, a pre-Rob Thomas Carlos Santana ple- mm. pleads no contest to marijuana possession charges. All right, yeah, he probably had a downtime before the yeah. Rob Thomas was a big uh, the rebirth. Was that was it smooth? That yeah, because it's song. so smooth. Yeah. Good song. It, it, uh, friends of mine, metal friends, always said that they stole the riff from maybe Rainbow in the Dark. I know it's a Dio song. It's kind of similar. The yeah. riff of uh, you got to listen to both songs side by side. You might catch my drift. I like uh, Rob Thomas's voice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not one of those rock and roll fans. Yeah, I actually kind of always say, like, people, like, confuse me. Like, I'm a Motley Crue fan. They're my favorite band. I know everything about them. But I like a lot of other hard rock bands, too. But I'm not, like, just one of those people that just likes rock. Oh, you know I, I am. Mean? I, I got no I problem am. listening to Matchbox 20. Oh, I well, I consider, the, I consider them rock. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're a rock yeah. band. I mean, they're yeah. just a soft rock band. Soft rock. Yeah, yeah, of course. I like all kinds of rock from 1950 to 2020. But it's oh, got to yeah, be gotta, rock. Have those I mean, I don't listen to any fucking R&B or rap or anything like oh, that. Oh, no, no. Know. Nothing like that. But I mean, like like regular pop, like this, you know, stuff from like Michael Jackson. So that's, you, you consider that rock. No, you know? I don't. No. August, I like, I'm a big fan of Michael Jackson. I'm not. He's a kid toucher. August 8th, actor well, Gary Oldman is arrested for drunk driving. Acute, uh, alleged kid toucher. Alleged. 
Uh, you know what? Actually, I've been changing my tune on that. I'm starting to wonder if he, if that's actually true. Well, I mean, if we're saying a legend about OJ, we might as well yeah. give Michael Jackson the benefit of the doubt, too. I'm being, uh, you know, to be honest, I, I'm starting to wonder if that's true. Well, I, I, I do think he's a very strange person. Yes, And, yes. and I don't, you know, that's 100%. I, I think I might lean to he, he would have never hurt a child. I might lean to that. I don't, yeah, I, I, yeah I don't, again, who knows for who sure knows? about anything? You know what I mean? We don't know for sure about anything. We don't know these people, so no one can really say for sure. Well, rest in peace, Michael Jackson. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry to put your name that way. I have no, no it's, it's, I have no it's idea. An easy, it's an easy pop. I have no idea, Michael. Get it, pop. Kick yep, it, pop. Yep. pop. Yep. Rest in peace. All right, August 8th, with two months left, the Chicago White Sox set a new home attendance record of 2.15 million people. Good for them. Also wow. on August 8th, the Warsaw Radio Mast at one time, the tallest construction ever built collapses. Down it goes. That's a bad day on the job, huh? Yep. August 9th, the British radio show On the Hour debuts on BBC Radio 4 with the first appearance of Alan Partridge character. Alan Partridge? No idea. The Partridge family? Uh, August 10th, NFL sportscaster Paul McGuire Suffers a heart attack at 53. Luckily, he's still with us, though. So. That's scary. Yeah. I mean, we're getting old. All right. He's still with us today. Thank God. That's PGA good. Championship, August 11th. Uh, John Daly wins by three strokes. You know John Daly, right? The big guy smokes and drinks and hits the ball a million yards. He's a true character of the game of golf. I do not. Oh, it's a true character. Hmm. Sounds cool to me, though. Oh, yeah. He's a badass. He's awesome. Uh, August 11th, this is pretty cool. Wilson Alvarez hurls a no-hitter in his first ever big league start. Welcome to the majors, Wilson Alvarez. Nice. Uh, August 12th, a band released their fifth album. And it oh, debuted number one on the Billboard 200 charts. Dave, tell them what Black it is. Album. The Black Album. Favorite let me- non-single song on the Black Album. What do you got? Of Wolf and Man. Okay, I'll go with Don't Tread on Me. Good one, too. You can't go wrong. But um, let me tell you something. I'm a fan, obviously, of 80s rock, melodic sure. rock. Okay. A lot of different. I like, obviously, I like crew, but I like Poison, but then I also like Dio. You know what I mean? It, okay. it, it's, a, it's a mix of it. I like melodic rock. Some I would power call myself pop. a. Yeah, exactly. You know, cheap trick, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, the black. So because of that, because of what I like, the Black Album is my favorite Metallic album. Oh, I mine's love still Kill Ride the Lightning. Mine's Ride I the like, Lightning. I love Ride the Lightning. Yeah. Love Ride the Lightning. You know, it might be a toss-up. Yeah. But that is just not my style. Even though I like it, I can go outside the box. The Black Album was made for me. It's a good album. They, yeah. Uh, Lars Ulrich heard the production of Dr. Feelgood from Bob Rock, and that's how, why they recruited Bob Rock to come, to come in there. So obviously they're trying to in a way, sound like my favorite band. In a way. So obviously, so all the haters out there, the same wah, wah, wah people. Too bad. Fuck you. This is a great album. It is a good album. August yeah. 13th, U.S. Vice President Dan Quayle makes a speech attacking lawyers. Okay. Nice attack. August 14th, Minnesota Twins player Dave Winfield. Uh, is the 23rd player ever to hit 400 home runs. Former Yankee as well. Former Yankee, most known as I Yankee. know that he was on the... Uh, he cut a promo on King Kong Bundy at Madison Square Garden in June of 86. On August 15th, 750,000 people 
attend a free concert in Central Park, New York City, performed by... August 91 in Central Park. I should know this. 750K came out to... That's a lot of people. Yeah, just don't call this guy uh, Freddie. Uh, okay, call I know Freddie Mercury was on his deathbed. Don't call him. Uh, don't call him Justin, or Josh, or or Lenny. Just call him Al. Oh, Paul Simon. Yes, Paul Simon. Good one. About seven hundred and fifty thousand. Wild. Yeah, thank God no uh, dogs hatched out of a shell across the street and ran into the park like in Ghostbusters. All right, good news on August sixteenth from uh, President George H. W. Bush. He declares that the recession is near an end. So, uh, good, good news. news. Good news. No one likes a recession. Oh, this is bad. This is really bad. August 18th. Hurricane Bob, that son of a bitch, hits North Carolina with 115 mile per hour winds. Wow, yeah. There's a guy that um, uh, lived, uh, my aunt and uncle uh, Tito, aunt, uncle Tito and he lived in a, they had moved, they lived in an apartment, and the guy that lived downstairs, really old guy, he was like 90, in, you know, 1990, 1991. And his name was Bob, but he was real cool. He used to he used to let us pretend we beat him up and put ketchup on his head and stuff and bring him upstairs to my aunt and uncle. Oh, Bob, what happened? Well, anyway, we called him Hurricane Bob. Hurricane I guess right, Bob. I guess right this month, August of 91, we called him that. Uh, August 19th, a coup d'etat. Conservative members of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union attempt to depose Mikhail Gorbachev and wipe that thing off of his head. Yeah. That uh, that that's that's quite a marking on him there. Uh, August twentieth, kind of like uh, a tattoo, like Bam Bam Bigelow, the Russian style. All right, August twentieth, this Dolphins quarterback surpasses this Forty ers quarterback as the highest paid NFL player with a five year extension for twenty five million dollars. Dave, who are those quarterbacks? Uh, Dan Marino. Yes. Who's the other team? San Francisco Forty ers quarterback. Joe Montana. Very good. Good work. That's too easy. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you there, though. Oh. Proud of you. Yeah, but those names, some of them that that I don't know, it's like, huh? Like for someone that doesn't, but those, you have to know those ones. All right, August 21st, Latvia declares its independence from the USSR. Uh, and then to close out our Russia news of the month, August 24th, Mikhail Gorbachev resigns as the head of the USSR Communist Party. Very good. Okay. Um, let's see what else. Oh, we got to get one of these in, Dave, because we always do. Uh, August 24th, Getting Married closes its uh, 70 performance run at the Circle in the Square Theater in New York City. So, get married. Yep. It's a thing of the past. Taiwan Literally. on the same day captures its 15th Little League World Series an 11 nothing win. That's bad. That's uh, that's over the Little League World Series. Yeah. People love watching that on TV. No international players this year though, because of COVID. Uh, so it's just a U.S. tournament, and I think Michigan yeah. won. Uh, August twenty fifth, the forty third Emmy Awards. L.A. Law, Cheers, Kirstie Alley, and Patricia Wedig are the big winners there. Definitely, um, uh, Cheers is definitely a sign of the times. Nineteen ninety one, without a doubt. Yeah, definitely a... Uh, L.A. Law, I mean, I know the name very well. Never watched it. You know, you age, my age back then wasn't what interested me. Cheers, I did, though, you know, here and there. Yeah, I love, love, love Cheers. So it's one of my favorite shows of all time. Definitely I, a classic. I've been working on trying to watch every episode of Cheers, and then I want to go into every episode of Frasier. 
So, but it's a lot yeah, of episodes. Yeah, I, I never really watched Frasier. I've I watched it like with, uh, on and off, but never seriously. I glazed over something. Is Netflix doing something with Seinfeld coming up? Yeah, it's debuting on there, right? That, oh, that's all it is. Yeah, they oh, might. I thought maybe it's like a documentary. They or might be doing stuff like with it coming on the platform. Yeah, I think it's in October. You know, I like that because I like that. I love. I like the show, but I like to watch it when I want to watch it. Yeah, you know I mean, I get on a get on a kick. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's a great like show. Like when too. I when I catch it on Channel Eleven, you know, at night. Well, you know, is it Channel Eleven here? I think Channel Eleven here. It's on here at like eleven, eleven thirty at night. You know, sometimes I watch it. I get really into it. Then it ends. Like, oh shit, I want to keep watching this. All right, you know Dave. I mean? This next piece of news is potentially the most significant news that we'll ever cover in my life. To my life. You know, this this thing happened and changed my, my life. life. My life. Uh, maybe more like so than anything we'll Jericho. ever cover in this segment. August 27th, Pearl Jam 10 is released. Wow. Wow. Now, let me, let me think. I mean, I know you know everything about it. Now, the Alive video was, was the first one I remember seeing on MTV. Yes, that was the first and video. And I... Don't think I remember Man in the Box. Allison Chains was on Summer of '91. Uh, I remember Smells Like Teen Spirit was out on MTV around the fall of '91. Yep. But I think I didn't see the live till a little later, maybe in yeah. the winter. It picked okay. up. It picked up steam um, later in the year. Uh, it started slow. Uh, it definitely didn't like debut at number one or anything like that. No, none of them did. You yeah. Not even, not even Smells Like Teen Spirit. It started slow and picked up steam. I first heard of them, so I would go to these parties with my dad. Well, I'd be with my dad on the weekends, right? And um, he would go to his friends. He's got a group of friends. They've all been friends for like, I guess, 50 years now, whatever. Probably at the time it was 20 or 30. And whoever, they'd rotate. Oh, let's all get together at this house. Let's get over at this house. And we'd be there till 2, 3 in the morning. And by Like, like you watch uh, Saturday Night's Main Event? Yeah, I'd watch saying, Saturday Night's right? Main yeah. Event at these parties. And by late at night, I'd just kind of go into the house and on the couch and watch Saturday's main event, or I'd watch uh, Saturday Night Live or whatever, fall asleep on the couch when my dad and his friends are drinking out by a fire or whatever. And I would also Ooh. occasionally watch uh, Flip Around. And one time I was at a party there and I turned on MTV and Hudbanger's Ball was on. And um, Eddie Vedder and McCready, I think, were the guests on Hudbanger's Ball. And the album had come out uh, maybe a month or two. This is probably the fall. Um, not quite winter yet, but somewhere in between. It's been out a little bit. And they were talking about the album, and they showed the Alive video. And I thought it was really cool. And then I kind of forgot about it. And then during Christmas shopping, I was walking around hills uh, with my mom. And you, was, know, you know we have we have no never had a hills around me. I've yeah. never been to one. So we had hills. It was a big deal. They had like a snack bar in the front, and it was a great store, great department. Apparently, store. like there insane amount of LJNs there. People, yeah, people I mean say. They, they used to have these commercials like hills is where the toys are. Like the toy section of hills yeah. is a big deal. There, I, you know? I YouTube it. I mean, oh my god, I'm on a podcast saying that. Yeah, uh, but I saw the tape, the ten tape. And I remembered that, and I was like, Mom, can I get this tape? She's like, no, it's too close to Christmas. You can't get anything. So I said, well, what if I just get it as a Christmas present? And she said, fine. So I threw it in there, and then I got it for Christmas in my stocking. 
So it was a tape, and uh, I was off. That was it. Changed my life. But Awesome, man. I, I love the stories like that. I heard a good um, Ted Lasso quote uh, with the start of school coming up. It said, uh, be nice to teachers because like albums, everyone says there's at least one. Everyone remembers at least one that changed their life. Um, yeah. Ted was certain- Ten was one of those for me. Yeah, go ahead. And plus the the Jeremy lyrics with the teacher. Yes. Yeah, yeah it was a great and great day at work for that teacher for sure. That <laughs> that uh, that song I remember I remember this to the T. In the same, why did I mention uh, Morgan? Oh, the guy Bob that lived downstairs, aunt and uncle. I remember being in their apartment, that same apartment. They weren't in there long, but I remember the the uh, video they would shoot the bumper MTV World Premiere, and they had like a, a globe like floating around MTV World Premiere, and it was Jeremy. And her hearing it for the first time, the video and everything was around the same time. Uh, Nothing else matters when Metallica was out. Yep. And uh, just you know, just things to remember. Kids don't know how how important videos uh, and MTV was to uh, we had, the music we, had we watched a, and listened to. Back we then. had it good, man. Yeah. We had it good. All right, couple more, and we'll uh, we'll get out of here. Uh, August 29th, the USSR suspends Communist Party activities. Um, and then August 31st, Houston QB David Klinger sets an NFL or excuse me, an NCAA record uh, with six touchdown passes in the second quarter as the Cougars clobbered Louisiana Tech 73-3. to Could you imagine six touchdown passes in one quarter? Crazy. Jesus. It sounds like when my sophomore high school team was playing uh, Union or something over here in Jersey. Oh, the home of Artie Lang. The home <laughs> yeah, of Artie Lang, Union. But we uh, bounced back. We, uh, we, we had, we, our team was growing. By senior year, we were 7-2. and two. All right. So, well, shout out to that. Artie Lang. Yes, yes, good man, to his nose as well. And uh, August 31st, we'll end on this. The Colorado Rockies batted out of order against the Expos in the first inning. So obviously the lineup card that was turned in uh, didn't get to the players or something happened there. Yeah, but, they who up. was working on that, me and Chet? Yeah, you and uh, Dave was the manager that day. <laughs> All right, Dave, that's the news. Good one. All right, SummerSlam 1991, Dave. I've been waiting for this for a long time. Uh, August 26th, 1991, New York City, New York, Madison Square Garden. Let's start here, Dave. What is the backstory to you being at this show? How did uh, it come about? I mean, did you just one day find out there was tickets? Like, how did you end up at this show? Well, we always had the thing in my family. It was my, my Uncle Tito, too, but my dad kind of ruled this one, like, we're not going to go to shows that are on TV. And the garden was out. We had it on TV. It was, it was a big deal to watch it on TV. Like, and, and plus I'm in Kearney, New Jersey and Meadowland is 10 minutes away. And 90% right. of the time, 90% of the time, the, you know, and the Meadowlands was a couple times was on MSG when they were re- renovating the garden or whatever, more than a couple times in 84, but whatever, usually it's not on TV. So I almost, you know, a seven, eight, nine, 10 year old kid, I would agree. Like, yeah, let's go to the one that I can't see on TV. So even SummerSlam 89, we had just gotten pay-per-view in Carney. I don't have to go to a, a friend's house to watch anymore. And, you know, my dad was like, you know, we just got this pay-per-view. Why do you want to go to this? It's more expensive. We could go next month when it's not on TV. So I'm kind of like, okay. But then as you start getting older, you just want to be a part of it. And like, oh, we got to go to SummerSlam. And the big reason why I got the nod yes was because there was no Meadowlands in all of 1991. WCW was running the Meadowlands, and Vince McMahon did not like that and pulled out. We only had the Garden in Nassau, and Nassau 
Nassau is at, at least an hour ride for me. You know, there's traffic could be even sure. more than that. Yep. Meadowlands is 10 minutes. No more Meadowlands. So, okay, you know, well, you know, it's starting to become like all oh, the pay-per-views, only places where things are happening now. You know, no, nothing happens on the house shows anymore. We're getting into that era. Like, okay, we got to go. We'll, we'll go to the garden. You know what I mean? I don't think we even knew the card when we got the tickets. So I remember like the uh, description in the magazine around this time would come early and see the main event. And I remember opening and be like, I almost thought like, oh, Hogan against Warrior? Like, because they were next to each other. And it's like, wait, what? Uh-huh. Yeah. That, that's I, it. Where's, I picture where's the, the Undertaker? Yeah, you know, the where's picture. Jake? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, the, the wedding, you know, hindsight is cool. Randy and Liz had that moment. But 11-year-old kid, it's kind of like, I don't know. Okay, what's something's going to happen at the wedding, though. Nothing did. But but going to SummerSlam, it was my first. Like I said, I didn't make it to SummerSlam 89. We just had gotten pay-per-view. We watched it. We watched it at home. So this is my first pay-per-view. So we, we were... I was ex- excited to the moon. I remember, um, you know, my friends all summer talking about it. You know, the, that intercontinental match. Every, everybody was was it was pumped up for that big the jailhouse match. Uh, you know, Virgil was over, and people wouldn't believe that he was over at this time. You know yeah, what I mean? Was. That's that, yeah. that's the underdog story before it, Daniel Bryan or whoever you want to call. And uh, it didn't last you know, for for good old Virg. But uh, yeah, man, we were through the moon. Uh, Getting getting ready for this uh, big uh, SummerSlam. Well, there was twenty thousand people in attendance to sell out. It was called a match made in heaven, a match made in hell. That's the tagline. Uh, on commentary on this night, we had Vince McMahon and uh, no, uh, Gorilla. Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan and Roddy Piper. Not and, uh, Bobby was. Uh, he was riding hot rod like a witch on a broomstick this night. Yep, Danny Davis. He was going at him hard. Danny Davis, Earl Hebner, Joe Morella, and Sid Justice were the officials. Uh, Lord Alfred Hayes, Shaw Mooney, Gene Orkland interviewing. Howard Finkel is on the mic. Uh, also, talent appearing sort of near the ring, around the ring. Tony Gurria, Rene Goulet, and Pat Patterson. Um, all right, let's start going down the card. We get the Vince narrated intro video. I watched. Amazing. I watched the original pay per view viewing for this, for these notes, so we could see kind of what they were selling and what things they put see in that there. SummerSlam music. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yep, we'll, we'll play it in the beginning for sure. Uh, Gorilla Piper and Bobby do a stand up intro. The crowd's going nuts in the background. Um, it's a great crowd all night, Dave. You did a great job, you and your Thank people. You. And that leads into the first match, a, a, a six man tag. Uh, Ricky Steamboat, Davey Boy Smith, and the Texas Tornado against the Warlord and Roma and Hercules. And cool thing right away, uh, Steamboat, Davey, and Tornado get separate entrances. Uh, and Steamboat comes down with the uh, with the blow in the fire. You pop for that? Absolutely. We these three faces. We I mean, opening match of course helps. We uh, we had Coco. Against Kato as a dark match. Coco went over Kato. Yep, six minutes and three match. seconds. Coco yeah. defeated Kato. So we had Coco go getting the crowd going. But I was smart enough to the business time to know the cameras weren't rolling or anything. But we, you know, we knew the cameras were rolling. Howard, Howard would pump up the crowd and everything. And seeing these faces come out, one and Bulldog was on his way up. Steamboat, they were trying to get his on his way up. The gimmick's a little silly, but in the garden, he was Ricky the Dragon Steamboat this yep. night. He, he, he was his old self. Uh, Kerry, uh, Tex Tornado was kind of going already going on the downward slope, but he wasn't way down yet. He was still he was still hot enough. 
So th- we went insane for uh, the, these three entrances and in uh, this whole match. It's just it's uh, you know to, to kick off the show, uh, you know, three big baby faces in a row, and Steamboat, who I've loved since day one of my fandom, Davy Boy Smith, who who I've loved day one day one of my fandom, Joe Carey in there too. You know what I mean? Uh, in the match, I mean, I'm sure you're you're, you're going to start going over it now. Go ahead, amazing. Yeah, no, 10:43 uh, is the total time. Uh, the Bulldogs, the Dragon, and Texas Tornado win the match. They go over uh, relatively clean. Um, good stuff in the match, I thought. Some good, uh, good hot tags. Uh, Paula loves saying "House of Fire" and waiting for the House of Fires. I kind of taught her House of Fire. House of Fire. She loves that. Uh, we had some good ones in this one. Also, Paula blown away by the fact that Carrie only had one foot. She kept yeah, having me yeah. call Dave because she didn't believe me. <laughs> call oh, Dave. I, I want to ask Dave, but you never yeah, answered. Yeah, that's she very true. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I called you back, I think. Uh, yeah, but it was, then she wasn't. It, 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 it was, yeah, yeah, it was with a five-year-old. It's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's over. You know, she missed it. But she, I, get it. I finally got her to believe me because I had Tammy read from the phone. Okay. It that he yeah, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to tell. Tell her, you know, she, does she like the movie Problem Child? Has she ever seen that? Yeah. John Ritter? Oh, yeah. Yep. He's in. He has a small part in that in the jail cell. Yeah, uh, tornado. Yeah, but um, yeah, man. Uh, I I I love the heels too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, anybody the three warlord like, for me. like solid I said three before, star match. I'm going th- I'm going three and a half. Okay, I, maybe because because I was there yeah, and I, when I watch it when I watch it on TV now I the excitement of that opening match being there. I was on the floor too, the back of the floor. Hard to see. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you saw me on TV. Someone tried to say they did, but I I, I can never find myself. But I'm in the back of the floor. We, we learn not to do that anymore because it's, it's really – it's actually not the back of the floor. You know, there's the floor, and if there was a hockey goal – I know exactly they put, what like, you mean. Bleach, like yep. They put bleachers. We were like in the front of that. So I was up a little bit, like behind the floor, but not not in the seats in the arena. Anyway, uh, yeah, I thought Roma would have made a great heel going forward if he went, if he went solo, kind of like that Shawn Michaels thing. He's a good worker. He's a good wrestler. Arrogant. He gets a lot of heat from the Smarks. I have no idea why. Um, and it was just, it was good. And, and Steamboat doing the high cross body for the pin was showing everybody that, yeah, maybe he is going on to to bigger things. They wanted him to job to The Undertaker, which I disagree with too, because he's Ricky Steamboat, on a wrestling challenge and do a stretcher job. And that's when he packed his bags and he brought the fire gimmick to WCW and teamed up with Dustin Rhodes over there and won the tag belts. I, that's what I'm saying. No, I'm not. I'm Ricky Steamboat. I've been. Let me lose the Undertaker. Let me get hit in the head with the urn, or let let and then let's. Sure. Where's it going? Let's yeah, go let, somewhere. Let Leap and Land do a stretcher job. Yeah, or yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, it, they were. That was like the Smarks way of things. Even back of '91, they were trying to get the uh, the dragon. Like with poor Tito Santana. You know, even now when I watch him job, and I'm like, come on, like you know, like Jesus, like I don't mind him losing, but I just don't, I just don't want to see it that way. All right, up, but uh, yeah, three and a half stars. Hot opener. Up next, they're gonna sell it all night. The nine hundred number. You can call a nine hundred number. One nine hundred attached. And you can talk to the Macho Man. Maybe. Yeah, man. Maybe. Maybe some cold feet. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Sean Mooney's in the back. He's with Mister Perfect and the coach. Uh, for the second straight SummerSlam, Mister Perfect's going to. Uh, put the Intercontinental title on the line last year with Bobby Heenan. Uh, this year with the coach. Uh, match number two, it's Brett versus Perfect. Uh, the IC uh, title. 
um, match. And I'm going to be honest, uh, Dave, this is one of my favorite matches of all time. Um, yeah, man. 1804, uh, Brett puts perfect in the sharpshooter uh, and perfect uh, submits. My uh, God, what a fast 18 minutes. Yeah, 18 minutes and four seconds. Um, perfect submits. Hebner calls for the bell a little early. That bothers some people, not me, for whatever reason. Um, well, we know why. We, we know find why out later. That. Yeah, we find out later he's working with a bad back, but you wouldn't know. <laughs> and and Brett match. still leaned back anyway. Yep, and, he, <laughs> and supposed he, to let go. And there's that one spot where he just throws him into the turnbuckle. I don't know. An unbelievable performance by Mister Perfect, considering he was injured. Brett's awesome. Um, Lord Alfred Hayes is in the aisle uh, with his parents. Uh, amazing. Stu and Helen. And he's like asking a question and he finally gives the mic to Stu and then takes it right away. Doesn't really even listen to his answer. I guess uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's either he was ribbing Stu or. No, I think they were in his uh, ear. Yeah, yeah. Pritchard wasn't there, but I guess whoever Patterson was in his ear. Yeah. Or, or Vince. Because it took, wrap it it up, took wrap it too up. long because Brett. Start, Brett came over and his parents were hugging him. I think, but sometimes um, even even when I'm like at a wedding or something, and have the microphone, then you see the video. Like you do shit like that, and you don't even realize you did it when there's so much going on. It's like, oh, sorry, you know what I mean? Like I I didn't realize I did that. A few years ago, Place to Be Nation did a top 100 matches thing, and I waited until the last day to make mine, and I filled it all out on the forum. You had to put. The, I love Place to Be Nation, but sometimes they make things more difficult than they need to be. Um, and I typed it all out in this form, and I accidentally went back instead of forward, and it deleted it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not typing that in again, so I never turned in the list. Oh. Uh, but this was in my top ten. It's five stars for me, all of five stars. I love this match. I had this. I ordered the pay-per-view. Like I said, I had a party at my house, and my friends were over. We taped it, and I must have watched this match that year i mean i would turn on the t turn it on i'd rewind the tape turn it on and watch these first two matches and that was it you know move on with the day or whatever but i watched these first two matches so many times uh and this is really just the crown jewel of the event it's brett's first wow. singles title and i just i just love the match it's five stars for me great job by I both of them hands down five stars without even thinking about it I was a fan of Brett in 1986 when I first got into wrestling. There was two bad guys I liked, Brett and Brutus Beefcake. I didn't like Greg, and I didn't like the Anvil. But I liked Brett and Brutus Beefcake, and they both turned face pretty much yeah. the next year. And so I was with Brett since day one. And every time they do his singles push, I'd hope for, for something, and it just would never work out, never work out. Taking losses, taking the L's, it was time. I don't know if it took Mr. Perfect's back injury to make it happen. Another one of my favorites. But, again, I was a kid. He was a heel. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, so I would cheer against him. But deep down, I liked him. And it was just time. And we, I, we were there in the garden. We were ready for it. In my 11-year-old brain, I know it's not true. I went back. You know, when school started the next week or two weeks later, I went back and told people I started the Let's Go Brett chant. And I really thought I did. <laughs> I really, I maybe, I, maybe I did. Maybe you I did. still think I did, but I'm saying I didn't because I probably didn't. But in my brain, I wasn't lying. I thought That's I awesome. did. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So let's just say I did because I think I did. All right. But probably not. You started it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought I did. 
You know okay. what I mean? But years gone by, I'm sorry. I couldn't have. It couldn't have been. You know, it couldn't have been just me. Whatever. But so behind it, you know, didn't know about Perfect's back injury, 11-year-old. So we got a lot of info. We knew Vladimir uh, from the Meadowlands. They're, they're doing this. It never came on the network. Yeah, I saw the ad for it. Yeah. yeah. Vladimir would give us would, would give us a lot of in, inside stuff. And he, at this night, we ran into him. He told us about Vladimir and Charlie. Charlie's the guy with the, long, the brown hair and the ponytail, leather jacket. Usually he's still around once in a while. They, you know, he, they told us about per- Perfect's back injury. When we start going through the card, it's some. Oh, they told us that War, it's Warriors probably Warriors last night. That too. So you know, they would, they would give us an inside shit. Cool. So I don't know if they told us about Perfect's back injury before the match, or we were outside after the Garden, saying you know after it was over, saying uh, you know he's going to be gone now. But um, now, yeah, how I, did you, know, you know Vladimir just from being at shows? Just or? from the Meadowlands, you know, yeah. Being close up, uh, we'd have a, a lot of times we'd go for Section One Hundred Eight. That was the aisle of the Meadowlands, and we knew it. So with tickets go on sale, we try to get as close to there. Okay, gotcha. you know, the aisle they walk down as possible. Yeah. You know, so we'd be like, oh, we know this guy, you know, from, from sure. the garden from gotcha. TV. So, you know, five-minute bullshit here and there. Um, and uh, I give it five stars as well because you have to give something five stars. You know what I mean? There's there's certain Hogan stuff that's come down the line. I'm going to give five stars to that we haven't covered yet. Yeah, no, that's a different but, scale uh, for us too, though. Yeah. Yeah, d- yeah this is a five-star match. This yeah. is... It's it, it's amazing, and, and Kurt being in there in his condition, you know, what I mean, he could have forfeited the belt or you know done something like that. He it was said somebody said on some podcast somewhere I can't remember who. Uh, I guess Brett said it uh, that Perfect uh, drank, but not only did Perks but drank before this match using so much pain, and he did such a good job. He, he had the Earl Hempner with that bell ring, and he's kind of going to business for himself maybe a little bit, too, a little too early because I mean I know his back is fucked up, but. Only that's gonna hurt his back after what he just did in the ring. Like let Brett put his move on him to, for for the cameras and let it go quick. He, I think Earl. If I'm still giving it five stars, but if anybody's gonna take away a quarter star, half star, it's Earl Hepner for uh, you know for do, for doing that big running yeah. and calling the bell to uh, to you know let him at least put the move on then then call it. Brett knows when to release it. I just got a text. And, um, I just got a text from Scott Criscolo. He said he oh. started the Brett chant. <laughs> that's amazing was he there yeah I, I believe he was oh great great <laughs> all right all right we, we might have to go nose to nose <laughs> uh after this match an ad for hot ticket hulkamania dave i got it for my birthday did you yep parents ordered it for me yeah okay uh i think i ordered it disappointment yeah no, i was just like all it is is a coliseum video on pay-per-view yeah yeah it was not what i expected i don't know what i yeah. expected but well th- that happened to me the first one wrestlemania's history and heroes was the first one i did before this and i ordered it like the day it became available thinking it's like a pay-per-view mm-hmm. it was like it was like seven bucks or something so my dad like, go ahead order it I'm like, really I have a, you know i'm like what i'm thinking maybe it's gonna be i knew it wasn't new matches but i thought maybe it was gonna be like tnt or prime t- you know something cool it was just like just the matches I have on tape already yeah. <laughs> a million times. Not great. But, uh, yeah. So they did go to, um, to Hulk's home. I think this one met, you, know, you didn't see, uh, Ruth and Pete too often yep. on TV. Yeah. So you got to see them. So I guess, you know, but you didn't need to run and order it on no. the first day. It's available. And I think that's what they were trying to get the kids to do. And I did. And <laughs> they, they successful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. we go to the back jeans with the Bushwhackers and Andre, who's got some crutches with them. Uh, looking old, although he lived to 93, but he looks near death here already. Yeah. Um, uh, he lived till 1993. Ni- not till 90. So <laughs> some people, yeah, he lived to 93. 
poor Andre. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Not the age, mm-hmm. the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, highlights uh, from superstars. They show um, him getting injured, and then we go to match number three. It's the Bushwhackers w- with Andre uh, versus the Natural Disasters with Jimmy Hart. Um, it goes six minutes and twenty-seven seconds, and um. One of the Bushwhackers, I don't remember if it's Luke or Butch, takes an earthquake and gets pinned one, two, three uh, in the center of the ring. Then afterwards, um, Andre's getting uh, ganged up on and uh, down to the ring comes the uh, the um, the Legion of Doom to make the save. To a yeah, huge, I almost forgot about that. To a I huge pop. It. Yeah, a huge pop for that. Mm. So This one Thoughts was here? supposed... Yeah, this one was supposed to be Earthquake and Typhoon, the natural disasters against Andre the Giant and Jake the Snake Roberts. And Vince, he, Andre, wanted to get back in the ring so bad. He was supposed to be in the Royal Rumble 91 that year. Vince pulled him. He was supposed to be in a battle royal in Nassau Coliseum in May. And it's never, in May of 91, it's never been said if he made it into that battle royal or not. Some people say he did. Some people say he didn't. I wasn't there. There's no footage of it. I'm going to go with he did, but I just don't know who, how they got him out, if they did like the Saturday Night's Main event, like 10 guys. Right, but right, right. I don't know, but I, I'm not saying for sure. If anybody knows, anybody was there, I believe it was May 10th, 1991, Nassau Coliseum, was Andre the Giant in that battle royal? I would love to know. Anyway, they did the whole angle on Superstars with Earthquake, you know, Jimmy Hart saying he's going to be Andre's new manager, Andre saying no, and Earthquake taking a megaphone to the knee, Andre took the bumps and everything. But again, Vince backed out. And I think when and Jake had his own angle going on Earthquake at the same time about squashing Damien. And that was supposed to be the match, and that would have been awesome. But I think Vince, again, because he's such an Andre fan, kept pulling him. He don't want to see Andre look bad or, hurt, or wor- even worse, hurt himself. Pulled him again. And I think that's when Vince decided, all right, now we're gonna do, what are we going to do with Jake? I think that's when he started to decide to turn Jake heel, which happened out of nowhere. Jake was so was like the third most popular baby face. Even in August of 91, they turned him. Yep. That was, it was odd. It was great. Great stuff, but it was odd. Just out of nowhere. This is just weird stuff without Bruce Pritchard there, I think. Weird stuff going on in 91. Yeah. So then we get the Bushwhackers in there. Loved them. Everybody loves them. Everybody knows they were going to get squashed. You know, we popped for them, whatever. You know, we we're used to the Bushwhackers. Lovable losers. Yep, lovable yeah, losers. they're going to lose there. It's not like they're in there with the Beverly Brothers or something. <clears throat> and, um... Yeah, it was just it was nice to see Andre. Uh, when Heenan gets up from the broadcast booth and he's going back to confront Hogan with the Ric yeah. Flair's title, we we'll get to that in uh, a second. Yeah, Andre took a swing with him at the crutch. He, the, the camera didn't pick it up, but the crowd, you know, I, I was there, and he walks by Andre. He stops real quick, then Andre lets him go and he swings at him uh, with the crutch. Nice move, so, yeah, Andre. Yeah, yeah, you had to be there. So I was listening for the pop. For when it happened, but I, I couldn't really pick it up. But hundred percent, it happened. That you know, one thing is just in your head. That that's yeah. in my head. hundred percent, I didn't hit him with it or anything. Just like took like a swing. Well, that's what. And I was nice to see Andre. I didn't see Andre live. Saw him at the Meadowlands as a heel. I guess maybe once, maybe against Duggan or something. Or match tag match. But I didn't see him too much. So it was good to see him at a pay per view. And this is his last uh, last WWF pay per view. And I was there to see it. Yeah, you know, so it's kind of kind of awesome. That's awesome, and uh, uh, for Andre, I'll give it just because Andre. The match doesn't deserve it, but I'm gonna give it two and a half stars for Andre being there. All right, I'll give it two and a quarter, and that was <laughs> I was thinking two, and I gave it point two five for Andre. You gave it half. That's fair enough. 
Yeah. Uh, Only for Andre. Next, Bobby takes him out to Hulk's dressing room. Uh, the world title, the real world title. And Hulk slams the door in his face. And Bobby says, who do you think you're embarrassing? Um, cool moment there. Funny. Don't you think they could have done a better job than put a piece of notebook paper with Hulk written on it? On yeah, the they could have done a better job with that for sure. Yeah. yeah. For Hulk Hogan, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, especially at the garden, you think he'd have his own spot there. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what the? They must have just thought about, threw that together really quick. All right, another commercial for the 900 number, and Macho Man's in his dressing room. They show him in there. This could be you. You could be talking to Macho Man about his wedding. Uh, up next, Sean Mooney's with Ted <laughs> DiBiase and Sherry. Uh, and then we get another ad for the 900 number. Uh, and then finally, match number four, Ted DiBiase. Puts the million-dollar belt on the line against Virgil. Uh, Ted's with Sensational Sherry. They go 13 minutes and 11 seconds. Uh, Sherry comes into the ring, crushes Virgil. Uh, you think there's going to be a DQ finish. Virgil's going to win the match. Ted's going to keep, keep the title. Piper's screaming on commentary. No, no, we didn't want this. Uh, but the referee goes into business for himself. Uh, and says that he's not going to call DQ. He kicks Sherry out, restarts the match, and Virgil gets the win and wins the million-dollar championship at 13, and 11, 13 minutes 11 seconds. Virgil's super over. There's great heat for this match. It's a really fun watch, maybe three or four minutes too long, um, but really good. I'll give it three stars. Enjoyed it. Uh, career highlight for Virgil for sure. Oh, without a doubt. It's crazy how he. I mean, he. I mean, I was there in the building. This is top three, four pops. Huge of the night. pop, yeah, pop. huge pop. And all these pops were gigantic. Yep, it was a like great crowd. To, great Bretts, crowd. Virgil's, Hogan's, Warriors. They're all almost equal, and Virgil's right there with 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 Brett, Hogan, and Warrior. Oh, you know what I want to ask you? Hold on, before you know? I forget. Before I forget, I'm sorry. Did, right. did they show the Bobby Heenan thing on a screen in the arena? Yes, we couldn't hear it. Okay. Same Did thing they, with the Mountie. The Mountie stuff, you could see it, but you couldn't hear couldn't it. Couldn't hear nothing. Gotcha. Yeah, couldn't hear nothing. I think that's how uh, it was at WrestleMania 6, too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, so, what the heck was I saying? You were just about saying Virgil, about Virgil's how, how over he was. Yeah. The match The match is good. Uh, yeah, I'll give it I'll give it three stars myself. I wish maybe the ref could have got knocked out and Piper could have been involved with the finish. Yeah. This is Madison Matt, Square Garden. I wanted to see Piper get in the ring. You know, because but I'm sure you know, he's, he's like, oh, I don't want to take your heat. You know, I guess, but I mean, then you know, then Virgil has to go on. You know, have his own stuff from there forward. But it's sad how he, he fell flat. I know he wasn't that great of a in-ring professional wrestler. Yeah, I guess, never, but, never reached the heights after this. No, yeah. but just being being so over, it's it's hard to be at that level and just drop, 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 drop. But I guess once he got away from from DiBiase. No good. He's got to be with DiBiase to be over. I think like that whole that story. You know, it's mm -hmm. almost like moving. You know, you, you know, you move Liz away from Macho Man. It's not the same. Same. You know, it, that's that's a strange comparison. But you know what I mean. You move Virgil away from from DiBiase. It's it's just not the same. We're just so used to it. So I think it almost was kind of the credit to DiBiase being over that Virgil was so over. Because we want to see DiBiase get beat up by yeah, him for the way, right. the way he treated him. Yeah, so then right. you put Virgil in there with Repo Man. It's kind of like, eh, where's DiBiase? You know what I mean? Where, you know, it just, you know, Virgil, you know, he had, he had his place. He hung around for a while. He went on to be in the NWO and everything. 
and he still does great for himself on social media today, fooling all the marks who think he's poor and everything. You know what I mean? These people right. actually believe this shit. You know, someone takes a picture. I mean, not saying he has the biggest line at these conventions, but someone took a picture of him before the convention yeah, started. Yeah, Sam these Roberts. People, yeah, these people are so gullible. Exactly. Listening yep. to a guy like Sam Roberts, I wouldn't give. I wouldn't buy that guy a beer. You know what I mean? He probably wouldn't even want to drink it. But uh, you know, just how gullible these people are. They're they're still marks. They're still being fooled, but in a different way. But yep. in a completely different way. Don't the guys uh, who run Iron Sheiks? Twitter run his too, or at least help them with it, or a part of it. He might help them. Those yeah. guys are nuts too. Those guys, I wish she, you know, she likes those guys because they, 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 their family was very good to him yeah. in the eighties and stuff like that. But that, I think they embarrass him sometimes. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a little too much for my liking. And sure, yeah, I don't know. Well, it, but, but people believe it what they're saying when yep. it's when it's it's just screwing around stuff. So. All right, well, we go back to Mean Jeans with the Mountie, and he's with the correction officers, and he's kind of telling them, get ready because I'm going to kick the boss man's ass and send him out here to him, uh, out here to you, and you're going to book him. Uh, in the meantime, Sean Mooney's in the back with the boss man who says the opposite, basically, and that leads us to match number five of the night, the jail match, the Mountie versus boss man. Paula Bennett's favorite match of all time right now. So she gives it five stars um, for sure. I can tell you that much. She uh, gets a big kick out of it, I guess. She just loves everything about yeah. it for whatever reason. And she, and it's been this way since I started showing her wrestling at like three years old. She's just loved yeah. this match. Yeah, I remember you guys, I, I was trying to say this off air, but I'll say it on air. When I first like heard you and I guess I guess it was Peter doing a show and you you referenced the, um, the Bret Hart, mentioned the Phil Collins song two hearts yeah yep and that's like my first memory of you guys and that feels like that was a long time ago like a really long time ago yeah well the whole story there like just to real quickly in case someone doesn't know it is um so when tammy was pregnant with paula um i was up one night or no this is after paula was yeah before paula was born i was up one night uh tammy's pregnant with her and um i was watching SummerSlam 90 just like you put something on, you know, lay down one night, put it on. And I saw that promo that Brett gives and the Amble gives at SummerSlam 90 where he says, just like Phil Collins says, two hearts beating as one. And it just stuck in my head, you know, as just reflecting the way, you, you know, Dave, maybe you can't relate to this, but like when you're about to have a kid, you just kind of, you're always kind of thinking, like, what kind of a father am I going to be? You know, like, I hope I can't relate to it or I'm keeping a big secret. <laughs> How am I going <laughs> to, what am I going to do? How am I going to do? And in my head, I was like, it's going to be like Brett said, me and Paula, we're going to be two hearts. And then when she was born right away, I started playing that song for her and singing that song. And that was like the first song she knew. I remember we were at this party, my brother Greg's house, like on the back deck. And, I said, watch this to my brother, Anthony, who was home. He was living in New York City at the time. And I played the song like, without her knowing it was about to come on. And just like her face, this is when she's a baby, and her face went crazy. And she was smiling and singing along to it. And he's like, oh, my God, dude. I'm like that, He's like, I'm like, yeah, it's like she just knows the song, loves the song. And and then eventually, you know, one of the first things that I showed her in wrestling is where I found that, you know, where I thought of that. So Yeah, I, I remember that story very yeah. vividly. It's, it it's stuck out. Yeah. So, and the Ultimate Warriors in the video of Phil Collins in that song. Yeah. It's in the 1991. Yeah. Him and 34 Phil Collinses. Strange. Yeah. Uh, Gene is in the locker room. 
Oh wait, let's let's do the jab. Sorry, I almost brushed right by the jail match. Yeah, uh, Mauni um, loses to Bossman on a couple of vicious bumps in this match. Um, Mauni or uh, Bossman's really stiff with them uh, and and smacks him around quite a bit a couple different times. Um, good match, good heat again. I mean, a great pop for the finish. Jimmy Hart's great in it, and they set up a thread through the rest of the show of different skits, which I'll talk about as they come on, but just really great, great, great stuff. I mean, at SummerSlam 90, it was Sapphire, right? Looking for Sapphire and that whole thread throughout the show. And now at 91, we have yeah, that's good comparison. boss man in jail. So really wow. good stuff. And we'll talk about it as we go through. I got them all written down when they come up, but good match. Really good. It's my favorite Mountie match by a mile. I mean, I, I can't think of another match by, Mounty, I Maybe like. it's something with a tag with the Rujos. Well, but that's, the, the that ma- would be a Rujo Brothers match. Yeah, yeah like Mountie. a Mounty match. Yeah, like I love it. So That makes me think, like, I'm at the show with my dad and my uncle. You know, they're, they're almost like, come on, this guy against a big boss man, he's going to kill him. You know what I yeah, mean? But three I'm like, stars oh, uh, Yeah, the Mounty beat Tito Santana at WrestleMania. It's almost like, how do you how do you beat him? Mounty's kind of like a honky-tonk man, like a lucky, mm-hmm. you know, Jimmy Hart's his manager. He lucks He's not that good of a wrestler. He's not that intimidating. Yeah, like he's big, yeah, like you're fighting big boss guy. man. Like, yeah. yeah, big boss man is going to kill this guy. You know what I mean? You wouldn't even imagine having Mounty against Hulk Hogan. You know what I mean? It wouldn't even be. But, uh, yeah, but, but he grew on you. His, he became like the honky-tonk man. Okay, he's this kind of guy. He, who knows? He's going to luck into something. Or, you know, hit you with the shot. This Jimmy Hart's a sort of stocks again. So it became like that. Yeah, I'm going to give this three and a half for for the aftermath. I, I, what did you give it? Oh, I gave it three for the match. If we're counting yeah. all that, it's 3.75. Yeah, all right. all that extra and stuff. And yeah. And, uh, yeah, my Uncle Tito, he couldn't, because like I said, we couldn't hear the screen. But I, I, maybe it was Heenan with the belt. One of the things, he just saw how Roddy was laughing. You just saw Roddy laughing when they went back to the booth. And my uncle started cracking up when 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 Hot Rod was cracking up, but that might have been when when Heenan um, uh, got the door slammed in his face. But the mat, either way, the Mounty stuff we were cracking up at too. We couldn't hear it, but you could see the guy, you know, going up to him. You see what he gave the finger with. The, are we going to hit that as it comes? Yeah, yeah, I'll go over uh, those. So, uh, I apologize. Yeah, all right. So just for the match now, we'll give it three and a half, and I'll, I'll explain why as it goes. I like the ending to this match. He kicked. The Mountie kicked out of the boss man slam. Yeah. Like, Whoa. Yeah. Then that then that Daddy move he just hit. Yeah. Did that that makes a, like a real wrestling match like a yep. real struggle like this is how it would happen in you know in a real fight. It's like because he's trying to avoid jail, you know, and he gives yeah. everything he has to avoid jail. Kicks out of his finish, but then I love the ending. The boss man catches him. What what just... would you even call that that maneuver? He tried to get boss man for a pile driver, and he, he, boss man put him over his head and just. Almost like a power bomb. Yeah, almost slam, a power yeah. bomb, but it's vicious, vicious, vicious. vicious and there's a vicious and... side slam in the match too. I mean, there's some big bumps. Yeah. yeah, it's some good stuff. Really good stuff. Uh, yeah, three and a half, and we'll, we'll get to the other stuff in a bit. Yeah, uh, jeans in the locker room with Sherry and Ted. They're furious. Um, you know, bullshit. Ted's bullshit. He wants his belt back. Uh, th- then we, this is a lot of interviews here in a row around intermission. Let me go through them. Mooney's with Brett. Uh, Brett's got the belt. Congratulations to Brett. Then we go to Gene, who's with the Natural Disasters and Jimmy Hart, who wants to call his lawyer, baby. Um, this is something between Paula and I. Uh, whenever we see Jimmy Hart or do an impression of Jimmy Hart, it's always this line. I want to get my lawyer, baby. I call my lawyer, baby. Um, yeah. 
So he's, he's going, so great. Yeah, he's going crazy about it. You know, he's all bent out of shape. And the managers, everybody was so different and great. And it was like, it's too perfect. Slick's one way. Fuji's another way. Heenan's completely different. Jimmy yep. Hart's completely yep. It's insane. Then we go to Sean Mooney's with the boss man who's got a bunch of dad jokes. He says, uh, hey, uh, Sean Mooney, uh, <laughs> what do you call a bird that don't fly? A jailbird. Um, and Love then, the boss man. What a, what, a, what a great wrestler, great character altogether. What a, what a loss. It looks like a That's professional a wrestler. Age. That's what a professional yeah. wrestler should look like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome dude. Uh, Mooney's with the boss man. I said, then we go to Gene who's with the macho man who's on the phone. The goddamn 900 number. (laughs) If you go by, I think they should have done where like played it up a little more that one of them really has cold feet, like really bad. Like it might not happen. No, they they they, couldn't do that because they're too busy selling the 900 number. Yeah. Well, that's true. That is true. No, but if, so if if this was 1987, no 900 number, they might've done that. Right. That's why it was a little better then. They go so that when one of them walks out, big pop. Yeah, it's you know? all night. They make it like all night. Macho's just on the phone. <laughs> um, then we go to an intermission. I think it was five minutes. Uh, we come back. Gorilla, Bobby, and the Hot Rod. They just kind of talk and looking ahead to the second half. You know, oh, we still got this. We still got that kind of a thing. Uh, finally, now the Mountie arrives at the jail, um, and he's hilarious. He's hamming it up. They're dragging him out. Good stuff. Um, now these are these are real New York City cops, I believe. Yeah, off-duty guys got. I that that one guy in the aisle, black guy, uh, you know, African American guy. He was at. He he's not one that dragged him away, but you see him through his whole show. Yeah. God, he was at the Garden for years. Yeah. I wonder if he's still living. I would love if someone could get get an interview with him. I, I don't know if you know him, but you just know his face from being in the aisle at all the house shows on MSG, and he's he's seen very well here. I think even WrestleMania ten, you still see him. Yeah, the Moon, George. Uh, excuse me, Sean Mooney's in the back. Oh. Uh, he's with the Nasty Boys and Jimmy Hart, and they're about to walk away. And he's like, "Oh, Jimmy, wait here. Look at the monitor. We're back at the jail." And uh, Mooney's getting his picture taken, and the refs, uh, the cops, kind of deke him and get him to look up, saying, so "Get his picture taken." Uh, and again, Jimmy, he's calling his lawyer. He's like, "Hey, call my lawyer, baby." Uh, mean Gene's <laughs> in the back with the LOD. Um, they're ready for their match. We go back to the jail uh, where the Mountie's getting fingerprinted. He gives the cops the middle finger. Which uh, yeah, I remember seeing that one on TV and just losing it. Like yeah. Everybody just lost it. Like yeah, This is 19, 1991. The middle finger was a, a big deal then yeah. on TV, especially on wrestling. My dad and my uncle were losing it. Everybody, the Mountie held a different a different feel for I know I know how we kind of feel about him with Dynamite Kid stuff, the way he acts today. But, I mean, at this time, uh, he sure. was over. Yeah. We were at uh, when the WWF came back to the Meadowlands in '92. Me and Uncle Tito were there. Jail my dad bird. wasn't. Jail guy. We were we were with him this time. I mean, my dad wasn't with us. Just me and Uncle Tito. But we were on the aisle, section one hundred eight in the Meadowlands. The Mountie came out, and Uncle everybody was booing him. Uncle Tito was cheering him, and the Mountie stopped in the aisle and put the shock stick to Uncle Tito. Here's a guy with some class right <laughs> here, awesome. right here. That's yeah. great. He stopped and made, and, and made a point of it. Arrested and, and, peace, you know, Uncle Tito. God bless yes, Uncle Tito. Yes, yes, yes. Thank good, you. Good yeah, memory. we had a lot of fun. Good memory. <laughs> lucky to have an uncle like that, really. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we, we, we tore it up. We tore it up till, God, till, till the very end, until that damn dementia, you know, caught him there. What are you going to do? I feel you. Good life. Good life. Whew, good stories. Yeah. All right, man. 
got to me. Odd. No. Oh, um, thank you. Where was I? Uh, Jeans with Sid. Or no, Mooney's with Slaughter, Sheik, and Adnan. Um, and, you know, typical USA stinks kind of stuff from those knuckleheads. Uh, and then Gene's in the back with Sid, who says, yeah, he took some money, but he didn't promise anything. Just took money. Why wouldn't he take money, right? Uh, and then finally, after all that, quite a bit of time stalling. I guess you guys were pissing and getting snacks at the garden. Uh, finally, it's match six, the Nasty Boys versus the Legion of Doom. Uh, for the belts, the tag team belts, finally, after being in the company for about a year at this point, uh, they finally get around to putting the belts on the Legion of Doom. Uh, they defeat the Nasty Boys uh, in what's called a street fight, but there wasn't much street fighting. Unbelievable. My, I, hate, my dad, I hate that. My dad, it was later on, but became a, cat, a big Cactus Jack fan. Yeah. He liked Ab- Abdul the Butcher. He liked like really blood and guts a bit. Maybe not to the point with the way they do it today. But we were like excited for a no DQ match. And they didn't it was use like, it. what's going Then when mm-hmm. they got into corners, it wasn't even Texas Tornado. It wasn't even Texas Tornado match. They got in the, in the corners and were tagging. Sags hit uh, Animal or Hawk with a bucket of ice. I don't even know if we could see it from where we're sitting. So to us, it was just like a regular tag team match. Why Why say no to you? We were very disappointed. This is my, my grade's going to tell you. Yeah, seven minutes and 45 seconds. I gave it 1.75. I give it a half a star just because I was Ooh. there and so, and, and so disappointed. We're... I love the nasty boys. I love Brian Knobs. You know that already. You know, I, I, that's the kind I would rather, much rather, hang out with the nasty boys than hang out with CM Punk. You know, what <laughs> I mean, that, that's I'm saying that's the difference, and I'm I'm not even trying to be funny. That's the difference between me and these wrestling fans nowadays, or difference between 1991 and or even 1999 and 2021. But I'm just sure. saying that's I love the nasty boys, and but uh, just just. Because of the because of the the gimmick they threw on the match and then didn't deliver, I have to give it a half a star. It was they didn't say what they were going to do? I, I, mean, I don't know why. I, this could be Bruce Pritchard missing too. I don't know. It's odd for them to say no DQ and do absolutely nothing but an ice bucket outside the ring that you could do in a regular match and not get the cue for. You know? Yeah. And uh, but and the Warriors, the the war what what the hell the Legion of Doom, Road Warriors, uh. They took too long to put the belts on them. Yeah. For, to, to, to break up Demolition the way they treated Demolition a year prior and not give the Road Warriors the belt for a whole other year. I mean, they were still really over. You know, they got a huge pop. I popped for them. I, I liked them, but it, it was a little late. It was just a little late for it. They, you know, they beat the Nasties. They're, now they're working with Earthquake and Typhoon, who they can't throw around. That, that's just their whole thing, throwing people around the ring. They can't throw Earthquake and Typhoon around the ring, and that's who they're going into program with. And look, what happened? It didn't work. And I guess Hawk's, uh, you know, Hawk's problems and stuff, uh, they ended up dropping the straps four or five months later to Money, Inc. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was very disappointed in uh, the no DQ thing. Great pop for the win for them, though. I'll give them that. Huge pop. And, of course, because yeah. we, we knew they have to – they're here at WWF. They're going to be – the champions but why not keep demolition together longer if they're not even going to put the belts on them yeah i think a year later you know maybe axis issues hurt the plans uh maybe heart foundation going over as hard as they did when they won you know what it was all the plans axe was too shellfish yeah too shellfish. i mean selfish no selfish 
Selfish, <laughs> selfish, selfish. Shellfish, shellfish. Axe is a very nice. Axe is not selfish. He's a nice person. I was trying to do a dad joke. Sorry. Gotcha. I like it. <laughs> All right. The Mounties then taken to his cell. More Mountie hilarious stuff here, and he meets his cellmates who are uh, very sweet guys. Uh, next, we get our first Survivor Series promo of the night. Uh, all night for that. I guess they've done selling the 900 number. Um, and then match number seven. It's IRS. Irwin R. Scheister defeats Greg the Hammer Valentine in seven minutes and seven seconds. As much as Paula loves the jail match, I think she hates this match. <laughs> she <laughs> cannot stand IRS. Oh, you it's... mentioned Survivor Series. Uh, one thing that uh, stands out to me from being there live, my dad pointed up to the TV. And look, he said, look, Dave. Thanksgiving Eve. Ah, I go, what's that? Yeah. He goes, what's? I go, yeah, Thanksgiving. He goes, no, Thanksgiving Eve. I go, what's that mean? Like Christmas Eve, the night before. I'm like, wow. I like, like, really? It's not on Thanksgiving. I, I just, that just stuck with yeah, that just stuck catch. with me. Good catch. He's like, oh, thank God. You know, he, he's a ball buster. He's like, thank God, get this shit over with this year. We have a nice holiday. <laughs> but <laughs> you uh, go down to basement and watch the watch the tape all day and leave us alone the next day. But yeah, no, uh, no shin guard, and Hammer gets the figure four on, but Chester gets to the ropes, and then he wins the match. Seven minutes, they gave him a decent amount of time, but crowd wasn't with it. You know, crowd had just kind of burned out maybe a little bit after the last uh, last couple of matches. You know, you like got a huge pop for Virgil, huge pop for Voss, man, huge pop yeah, for this- Legion of Doom. This is the only match like this on this yeah, card. Yeah, it's the one kind of dud. There's usually a few. But uh, th- what stands out to me about this match, and you'll appreciate this, that six years prior, almost to the date, it was August 24th, 1985, uh, the Dream Team goes over. Greg Valentine and Bruce Beefcake goes over Mike Rotendo, IRS, and Barry Windham in the Spectrum for the tag belts. Yeah, but Dave, they had a nightmare at the Rosemont Horizon. A, night- a, yeah. nightmare, a nightmare was down the line indeed. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, this is a uh, back to this match. Greg, uh, Greg's pulling the old Ken Patera, Don Morocco, turning turning good at the end of your run thing, doing some jobs. I was against Greg being a good guy at first, but I loved his performance in that Saturday Night's Main Event Battle Royal. He almost Mister Perfect won it, but Greg almost threw him out. And I remember getting really behind him, and that was the last Saturday Night's Main Event NBC. They had a big Battle Royal, and Mister Perfect won it. And Greg was the last guy in there with him. So I started getting behind him as a face a little bit uh, after that performance there on Saturday Night's Main Event. And, uh, you know, but I think I was smart enough to the business's time to know that this is a showcase for IRS. He's going to start feuding with Boss Man uh, after this. Just, you know, get get a little win over a top, top guy here. But, again, I hate seeing my guys, Greg, Tito, Steamboat. Steamboat wouldn't go for it, thank God. I hate seeing my guys doing jobs you know the guys that were the big guys when i first got into it you now, know greg, greg greg's one of them now before we get to the match made in hell let's do heaven first because we always do hulk's match last it um, was the way it should have been i think i uh, just a little weird yeah it go last. i mean whatever they got married i mean nothing yeah, ha- I mean, they got married yeah. do you have anything think, like from in the building been... or anything you want to mention i mean my four my five-year-old daughter likes this because it's a cute wedding you know what I, like, you know what i mean like it's like uh disney yeah. movie scene or, i don't know it's... yeah just just going around the building was just who's gonna come out who's gonna 
And I remember I'm being like, I was the only one that caught it on the bachelor party that Jake was getting involved. Everyone's like, no, no, Jake's involved with Warrior. Then someone else would say, oh, you know, it came from Vladimir and them. Oh, uh, Warrior's leaving. Warrior's leaving. Like, what? Uh, he knew, even though the stuff was going on right back then. I mean, they had issues all summer. And we'll talk about that when we get to the match made in hell. But, like, you know, Vladimir knew it was, it was out in the crowd that Warrior's leaving. And it was just like, you know, something is going to happen in this wedding. I don't know what, maybe a comedy spot or even if it, and nothing happened. But when the balloons dropped down and everything, you know, like I, I took a balloon and, uh, you know, I kept it in my closet at my house. Uh, it lasted for about a year, you know, uh, it was from SummerSlam, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, my dad mentioned, I got it. Well, I was been doing this podcast, it's been going through my head. A week ago, he mentioned... Oh, something about Randy Savage's wedding being there. And I can't remember what the hell he said. So I'll ask him, and then I'll say it on the next podcast. I don't know what, what brought, something brought him back to this day, only about a week ago. And there are other people talking, other family members, so I didn't get a chance to say, oh, it's the 30th anniversary. I couldn't spit it out. But he mentioned this. And he's not too, uh, in his old age, he doesn't mention wrestling too much anymore. Cool. But anyway, but so I remember, that stands out right now, obviously. Uh, the balloons dropping stand out, waiting for someone to come out. Macho's music's always a pop. I think that the the bridal party should have been wrestlers, or at least somebody. Lord Alfred Hayes, yeah, who or, were these uh, something, yeah. yeah, something funny. A little, you can still have it normal and have Lord Alfred Hayes be the best man, or Mean Gene, ha ha, or Mean Gene out there. And did you notice was the Justice of the Peace the same one from Uncle Elmer? I didn't. It notice. almost sounded like the same was voice. It? Yeah, I don't know. I know. I don't know. I don't know. But it almost sounded. I was nodding out. Yeah. So I mean, not much to it overall, Dave. I don't know. Like you were nodding out watching it. I was nodding out watching. It. I mean, that's what happens now. Yeah, if you, I rewatch re it because there's just nothing to it, really. And I, but I didn't get as mad at the time. I think my dad and uncle were a little more mad. They wanted some some action because you just had we're going to get to the Hulk match in a second. But that was a happy ending with Hulk and Sid. You know, maybe you thought Sid was going to turn. No, it didn't turn. You know, we, we want to see something happen here live. We got the big Brett moment and all those title changes. I guess that was it. But, uh, you know, you started getting to the real main eventers. Like, nothing is happening. But I didn't really get pissed till that Saturday on Superstars when you see all the action going down backstage. It's like, ah! Like, mm -hmm. they couldn't figure out a way to, way to do this in the ring? I wish that, uh, I mean, a lot of people dog on Bruce Pritchard, but that's the only way we get at least some of the stories of what happened. He wasn't around at this time. He was gone for about a year. Yeah. They always joke, so, like, you know, yeah. they can't do this show on the podcast because he wasn't there. Or I wasn't there. I wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I'm going to believe Bruce Pritchard's foggy memory, whatever, more than Dave Meltzer writing on his typewriter in some dingy office somewhere. You know what I mean? But yeah, the, great, most the great thing most people about don't Bruce, for some reason. The great thing about him is he's got a good recall. And if he doesn't totally recall it, he just goes with it. He sells it, you know. So, I'm I'm fine with this. It's his version of the story, whatever. Yeah, I, I, especially his the earlier years of something to wrestle. I think it's all true. As, yeah, as it's gone I mean, on, the show's dead now. It's died, yeah, yeah, as it's gone on, maybe I can see what people are saying a little bit more. It's, but at first, I, it's Rocky. No it's Rocky Five now. You know. Yeah, although I am a fan to a degree of Rocky Five. No, 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 no. no I like I like all the. Uh, the gimmicks in there. Uh, All right, here. How about this yeah. then? It's the new Karate Kid at this point. You know, mm. you know. I never saw that. Yeah, it's shit. It's shit. 
I uh, I bought the, when I first bought the the Karate Kid DVD set. I was so offended that the new Karate Kid was in there. I I was paying, and he's like making my change and i opened it up took the new karate kid out and left it on the counter oh that's amazing <laughs> that had to be a funny sight <laughs> they'll probably get the cameras going I, I remember, his friends look at this i remember my friend that was with me is just like laughing his ass off like because i was just like doing it like he's like ringing me out and then he's like got my change he's like holding it and i got my key and i'm like ripping the 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 the, the, the packaging off and stuff i just took the dvd out Put it on the counter, took my change, and walked away. I didn't even Hilarious. say a word about it. Yeah, that, I think I've like seen it. Ever have a movie you never saw it, but you've seen things in passing. Yeah. Uh, Hillary Duff and um and Miyagi and Miyagi, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, something on a uh, on a train. They're on top of a train. Uh, you already know more about from, it than I do. So, I just know yeah, Hillary so, Duff and like Miyagi that. are in it. Not Hillary Duff. That's the singer. Hillary uh, Swank. Swank. Right? Okay. Duff Swank, yeah. Swank. She got a nice set on her. Same difference to me. Yeah, but yeah, that 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 that's a little rough. Yeah, no good. All right, here we go. The match made in hell. I think we've said all we're gonna say about the match made in heaven at this point. Uh, it's Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior defeating Colonel Mustafa, General Adnan, and Sergeant Slaughter. It's a three versus two handicap match with Sid Justice as the referee. They give him twelve minutes and forty seconds. Uh, Dave, real quickly. Um, before we get, I'm going to read the blow by blow of the match here. Um, but what about the whole story about Warrior holding up McMahon? Any thoughts on yeah. that? Yeah, it it hit the crowd that Warrior was leaving uh, from Vladimir and Charlie and stuff. Nothing about that. That we didn't know about that part of it. But you know, in hindsight, now we know. Sorry, I got a sneeze coming on. Hold that back. Sorry. Now we know that the whole summer in '91. There was a problem with Vince and Warrior. Warrior wanted to be paid what Hogan was being paid. Vince, if you saw in the A&E documentary, was making Warrior apologize to some kid that he yelled at that Warrior didn't even remember, do- he didn't remember doing it. So it was just like, oh, you never do this shit to Hulk. And Warrior, Warrior's defense, he was selling the wrestling buddies just like Hulk. The coloring books just like Hulk. But the only problem is Hulk was in one town getting 5,000 more people than Warrior was in his town main eventing. And that main, that means a lot. That's why Hulk is being Hulk's drawing more. Like, sorry, dude. Like, you're great. You're a top star, but Hulk is the one drawing more money. You just don't compare yourself to Hulk. Hulk is Hulk. Yeah, that. Yeah. And, and Hulk's been around since '83. You know, '84, '84. Warriors is new. He's just, you know, like The Rock says, know your role. And I think I think it would have been onwards and upwards for Warrior. But again, in hindsight, like I've said in the show before, I, I've become I didn't like Warrior at this time. I probably cheered him in the garden. But, uh, you know, he wasn't one of my favorites, you know, because of the, even before WrestleMania 6, I don't know, just, just didn't really appeal to me. I didn't dislike him, but uh, it wasn't, wasn't my style. Uh, now, I, looking back, I like him, and plus, since the heat he gets, I like to go against a grain, like we all know. But, um, yeah, he uh, was having a problem, but I'm surprised that Vince um, went through that big angle with Jake and that didn't start they didn't start those vignettes didn't start till well, early the August. The story goes that he wouldn't go through the curtain unless Vince agreed to pay him a certain amount. Yeah. And Vince agreed and then when he came back through the curtain he, he fired, fired him. him. So believe, and there was a whole believe thing or don't that, believe that. Yeah. Yeah. But there definitely was I listened to an, another podcast where they go over all the uh, the dirt sheets and stuff. There were there was shit going on that whole summer with uh with sure. Warrior and Warrior and Vince with money. 
you know, Warrior even, I think he missed a few shots and everything. But I would think that, you know, Vince wanted to keep him because he was, I, I'm comparing him to Hogan. He was close to Hogan, but not there. But he's sure. really over. Heads and shoulders above everybody else except for Hogan. Right. Heads and shoulders above everybody else. So, you know, Vince, it must have been really bad. So I think it got down. I think Vince thought Warrior would, would go for what he was you know, going. So it's it got like, into a, a dick measuring contest, I guess, this night. It's kind of gonna... like being bad company and you're on Led Zeppelin's label. And you have a number one album and you're selling a ton of albums. But you're still not Led Zeppelin. Right? So you just exactly. kind of know. Like, all right, yeah, you're in the Federation and you're selling a lot of wrestling buddies. But you're not Hulk. All right. Place to be nation. Uh, Justin got these notes for me. Uh, let's go through it. Sid's out first and gets a big pop. He's looking really jacked up and like a star. Sa- Sarge, Adnan, and Mustafa march out. Still somehow carrying some heat. But this feels <laughs> anticlimactic in ways as well, given the talent disparity. A uh, classic warrior entrance. Crowd is pumped. So he charges around. And, of course, Hulk gets the biggest pop of all as he storms out, belt around his waist in MSG. Bobby says Adnan just winked and gets all kinds of shit for it. Piper talks <laughs> up his experience taking on Hogan, and then they mock Bobby about the flair stuff. Sid gives Sarge the business as we get a bunch of stalling. Yeah, lots of stalling here. Uh, Bobby thinks Hulk may have greased his palm as Hulk opens up with a flurry on Sarge. Hulk smacks Adnan and Mustafa as well and tags Warrior. Double clothesline and then Warrior pummels Sarge. Bit more double teaming and a near fall by Hulk. Hulk hits an elbow to the head and we get another tag as Warrior pounds away. Hulk actually goes to the middle rope and hits an axe for two and then a clothesline in the corner. Sarge is taking a big ass kicking here. Uh, We get our first words between Sid and Hulk uh, as they kind of bump heads a little bit. Sarge takes advantage. And lands a shot and then takes a shot at Warrior 2. Adnan tags in and kicks away and rakes the back as the crowd rallies the champ. Mustafa tags in and hits a gut wrench and the camel clutch. Uh, and it's kind of cool to see this in MSG. Amazing. And yeah. I was a part of that. And my uncle and my dad, we all said it when it happened. Like, wow. Like, this is so great that, that, yeah. uh, that we're seeing this right now. Yep. Uh, Piper says he remembers this in 83. As uh, Warrior breaks it up. Sarge, close enough. Close enough. Sarge comes in and hits a backbreaker for two. Uh, more bickering. It's amazing that, that, that Hot Rod said that. Yeah. You know, that. you know what I mean? More bickering between Hulk and Sid allows the triangle to keep working him over with basic strikes. Warrior gives an assist to Hulk, turns the tide, and makes the hot tag. Uh, Warrior comes in and cleans house and runs into Sid by accident. And they argue. Uh, that gives Sarge a chance to knock down Warrior, and now he gets triple teamed. Uh, Warrior cuts down Mustafa, but Sarge gets the tag and beats him back down and grinds away. Warrior catches Sarge with a flying clothesline that leaves both men wiped out on the mat until Warrior crawls over for the tag, and Hulk is a house of fire now, comes in on loads, pelting Sarge with the big boot. Things break down in all five. We got chaos. Uh, they brawl until Warrior chases Adnan and Mustafa to the back with a chair. Uh, Hulk breaks out some powder, tosses it at Sarge, and hits the boot and the leg drop for the win. Hulk poses for a bit, and then out comes Sid to join him. Kind of funny, he pokes his head out. Uh, yeah, look at the Green Reaper. Yep, to pose and celebrate for a while. It's a cool moment. Um, 
And uh, then Justin sort of editorializes here. We can read it. Uh, cool moments. This was just a match with not a lot of heat. Felt like a waste of the super team. Uh, Sarge held up okay, but this crew was overmatched. Should have done the boot camp here. Just done something with Taker and Roberts. The main event focus was teasing stuff with Sid. And the novelty at best. But the crowd got to see some stars. Justin gave it two stars. Now, Justin, of course, is comparing that to all matches. And here we compare the matches, just Hulk matches to Hulk matches. Um, but I don't know that I'm much higher or lower. It's right around there. Um, I'll give it two and a half. Okay, I'm, I'm going two and three quarters. I usually, when I rewatch this show, I usually turn it off after the boss man, the Mountie. Because like I said, I didn't like the uh, tag title match. Uh, the main event is whatever. You know, it's still Hulk, but, you know, it means nothing. Then the wedding, nothing happens. So usually I turn it off. So for the podcast, obviously I have to watch the whole thing. And I was kind of entertained by it a little bit. I remember when she had him in the camera clutch, it really brought back memories to me and my dad and my uncle, especially my dad being old now and my uncle not being around. Like all of us being like, wow, wow. Like 1984 seemed like 20 years ago in 1991. You know what I mean? Like looking back now, eight, you know, seven, eight years ago, feels like nothing. But back then, it felt like an eternity. Like, wow, we're part, we're seeing this again. And right here in the garden. And, um, you know, I think Vince loves, he wanted to put the belts back on Sheik and Volkoff instead of the Hart Foundation in 87 when Dynamite got hurt because of the, ooh, when they would walk out. He loves that heat. So that might be another reason why uh, he wanted these guys in the main event, the garden, because he knew even though they're, a bunch of dummies, like Gorilla would say, one dummy went down, another dummy went down. A commentary when Sheik and Adnan are getting worked over. They got that heat, you know what I mean, the foreigners. And it was 1991, it still worked. And uh, I remember my dad and my uncle saying, like, oh, Sid, you know, we're posing. He's going to be the next Hulk. Watch. Hulk's going to go make a movie, and he's going to be just like Hulk, posing with him. And at that prob- they were right, because that probably was the plans. But 11-year-old me said, Fuck this. He's turning on Hulk. Or Hulk's mm-hmm. gonna kick his ass. Hulk's yep. gonna kick his ass. And who ended up being right? Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't letting go of Hulk and it's twenty twenty one and I still won't let go of him. I still think he's gonna do something to, to turn everything upside down. You know what I mean? That that's just the mindset I have with him, growing up with him. And I was right that time. But um yeah. Uh did I say I'll give it I'll give it two and three quarters. Very generous. Very generous. It meant a lot of because of what happened down the line with Sid, he ended up torn his bicep right after this. And the whole squeegee incident happened in the bar with uh, Mike Graham and Brian Pillman when, when Sid went back to where he lived in Georgia. Uh, I think he lived in Georgia or wherever. He, he ran into those guys at a bar with a chance of that that he used to work with. And he came after him with a squeegee from uh, from his car. <laughs> Interesting. But uh, you know, then he did return at the Royal Rumble and the whole, the whole stuff with... Uh, Hulk started uh, kicking up, but if he didn't tear that bicep, he was going to be a huge face helping Savage with the with the Jake feud. So maybe he never never would have turned the whole this whole time period. No Bruce Pritchard injuries, guys leaving, disappearing. It's a it's a this whole summer '91, fall '91. It's it's a crazy time. Some people call it like the mini Attitude Era. It's uh it's an it's a very interesting time with a, a lot of unanswered unanswered questions, and it makes. That, in my opinion, makes it fun. And, uh, yeah, two and three-quarter stars. There's one last uh, Mountie skit here. 
uh, where the guy asks him if he likes the way leather feels on his body. He wants his own cell. He wants to get out of there. It's just a miserable night for the poor Mountie. <laughs> and then, like we said, of course, they play a really nice, uh, Paul loves it, the um, video, uh, kind of recapping the love story of Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth. A Jim Johnson classic. Yep. And then uh, and then the wedding. So that's it. That's the uh, SummerSlam 1991. One of my favorites, Dave. I just love this show. I think that uh, the undercard is by surpassed passes all the other SummerSlams. It may be my favorite SummerSlam. Me and Chet have a, 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 a soft spot for SummerSlam 90, which a lot of people don't. I don't know why. We, I love we 92. Love, we love rewatching that card. We love the yep. tag match. Love it. And we love Hogan and Earthquake. and Because they had that, such that build with yep. Hogan and Earthquake. Yep. Such that build. Like, what's going to happen to Hogan? Can he do it? This card, it's like, yeah, Hogan's going to throw the Iron Sheik into the 10th row. You know what I mean? Like, there's no chance. I don't know, but I mean that this undercard is just fire, and the whole growing up with Bret Hart and finally seeing him get his and the get garden. His due. I mean, the garden, the garden, the garden, the garden's a star of this star. show. So that, it really that's is. me. So yeah. I'm the star. I'm yeah. one of the stars. Yeah, gotta Uncle give Tito, it to you. Gotta give Dave it to you. Rollins, Mayor Dave Rollins Senior, Uncle Tito, all of us. Yeah, we're the stars here. Vladimir, Charlie, this one, that one. And the good Scott old Criscolo. days, man. Yeah, Scott Criscolo, another great guy. Uh, I wish I knew him. I wish I uh, wish I knew him back then. Yeah. I don't know him now. Gotta give but, it to um, you guys. You guys killed yeah. it. Yeah. He likes to call it, Scott Cole likes to call it the home office. The home office and a, and a great night yes, there. Sir. So, all right, we're going to take a break. We're going to have Paula who's going to join us um, on the other side of this. We got some emails and we'll tell you what we're going to do on episode 19 of the 24 inch podcast. Oh, yeah. We do have some plugs, Paula. Thanks for bringing us back. The last segment of what's been a great episode, SummerSlam 1991. Dave, it's one of those shows I'm always going to be jealous you were at, buddy. That was a good one. I was there. New York City, my man. All right. Don't forget, you can check out this episode of our podcast and all episodes of the show on our SoundCloud page. It's soundcloud.com slash sports-casters. You can also catch... All 300-plus episodes of the Sportscasters there. For more information on the 24-inch podcast, follow us on Twitter at the number two, the number four, the word inch, and the word podcast. You can also email us the same thing, number two, the number four, inch podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram. Hollywood Dave takes care of that. It's the number two, the number four, underscore inch, underscore podcast there. You can also... Find us on Facebook. We've got a great group, good people, uh, no negativity, no back talk, just a bunch of dudes who love yeah, a lot uh, of, dudes or gals, God, whatever. Just, just yeah. So much, so, so much, especially now with this AEW audience. So much toxic stuff in this wrestling 
I mean, people, we're supposed to watch wrestling for fun, for yeah. an escape. You know what I mean? And we've Don't ca- bring any of that toxic stuff over our way. We've kept it that way. So just search 24-inch podcast and you'll find the group and we'll let you in uh, if you ask to join that. Uh, also wanted to mention a couple other podcasts real quickly. Uh, greetings from Allentown. It's back. Uh, today, the first episode after about a month hiatus. Uh, greetings from Allentown with Peter Winson. Uh, 1987 WWF. So he came back, and he came back with my favorite moment in time in wrestling history, 1987. Uh, great episode there. Also, weekly, he does the Greetings from Allentown Live podcast uh, with Keithy, and I've been pushing him and prodding him and trying to get him to get ready to do a Adams Division podcast as well. Also, yes, and I'm a big fan of that, so I'm waiting very patiently. Also, I wanted to uh, give a shout-out to Justin and Scott at the Place to Be Nation flagship show. Uh, Justin helped me out with some notes for tonight's show. Thanks to Justin uh, and the uh, flagship. They're just about finishing up their reboot project, which they started in 2016. It's going to end around Halloween time with an episode that I'm going to host. So make sure you check that out. And then they're going to restart, I guess, in 2007. I'm already signed up for an episode or two of that, which should be interesting. So I'm going to have to watch these random like WWF pay-per-views from 2001 and whatever the fuck that I've definitely never Uh-oh. seen before. Uh-oh. So we'll see what the what those shows I sound end like. Up. I sound like Susan St. James here yeah. on the 21st podcast. We'll see what those end up being like. Oh, no, George, George, George. <laughs> um, let's see. Any other uh, plugs, Dave? Anything you think of? Uh, of course, Kevin Hogan's friends, the uh, yes. 20 for 20, 20 stories. On um, 20th anniversary uh, of 9-11, unfortunately, uh, is upon us. And uh, they have a podcast out to keep everybody's mind fresh on, you know, all that's going on in the world today, just to keep everyone's mind fresh on the tragic happenings of um, September 11th, 2001, and just never forget, as the saying goes. Paula, do you got any plugs this week, baby? What do you got for plugs? You plugging anything? I do have one plug that is for today. Okay, what do you got? <laughs> when you saw Gary sharing that, did you get nightmare for a week? <laughs> did you hear that, Dave? I did not. It was for me? Yeah, she wanted to know if when you oh. saw your first scary, ma- scary Sherry match, if you got a nightmare for a week. Um, No, I did not. Uh, scary Sherry actually does the opposite to me. She doesn't scare me. She makes me feel pretty good. Ew, uh, <laughs> but maybe, maybe without maybe without gross. that makeup. Maybe without that makeup on, though. You know, that's it. That is a, a little scary. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um. Actually, our little girl Paula here. She's getting ready to start kindergarten. Uh-huh. So Whoa. if anyone, any of the listeners out there, want to send Paula a tweet or an email or a message on our Facebook to wish her good luck starting kindergarten, I'm sure she'd appreciate that. Um, so hit us up uh, where we are for that. Paula, quick movie review. Congratulations. Quick movie review. You recently okay. watched an ema- uh, movie featuring a wrestler, Tooth Fairy. Tooth Fairy. Star in the Whoa. Rock. What's your review? Love it. Loved it? Good movie? Mm-hmm. You recommend it? Was it funny? Mm-hmm. Was The Rock good in it? Yeah? Tell people about it. The rock turned into a real tooth fairy. <laughs> and he wears a tutu. He wears a tutu. I saw, Paul, I saw it years ago when it came out, and I like it too. Which is funny because what other wrestler once wore a tutu in a movie? Yeah, man. Gimmick infringement, brother. 
the nanny. Yeah, Hulk Hogan and the nanny in uh-huh. Ratatouille. The Rock stole that gimmick. <laughs> uh, all right, we got I, a bunch of. Well, go ahead, Dave. I thought I think the Rock said once, and I don't know if it was a, a promo for WrestleMania 18 or somewhere around that time that you you know I I think he was like kid, kidding with Hulk. So I think it was like maybe something outside of the ring that Hulk owes him. Uh, 15 bucks and uh, a popcorn and a soda for him going to see Mr. Nanny in 93. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. All right, uh, Dave, do you want to get us started on emails? Uh, or Paula, yes, you want to read the first email? All right, Paula's got the first email this Paula week. Paula first. What do you got, Paula? Uh, Check your notes. All right, what do you got? You want me to read it for you? All right, your first email comes from my nephew, Gregory. Paula. We just watched SummerSlam 1991 for the podcast today. What was your favorite match on the show? And why do you think they called the main events the match made in heaven and the match made in hell? Go ahead, Paul. Well, I know because it's like the wedding is like beautiful and flower girls and stuff. Yeah. And the match made in heaven, I think it's just like creepy and this stuff. Okay, and what was your favorite match on the card? Uh, you know. The jail match. <laughs> That's been Paula's match forever. You love that That's jail match, of, don't you, Paula? a lot of fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they, he meets some friends. <laughs> yeah, he meets some friends in the jail. <laughs> <laughs> some, leather, some leather boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Dave, give us uh, your first email. Our first one comes from a good friend of the show, uh, Tim Mangione. Tim, I just want to wish you uh, some well wishes. He's having a little bit of a health scare at, at the moment. Thinking about and, you, Tim. Uh, yeah, hopefully, you know. Get better, kicks brother. Out of, kicks out of two, gets home, gets to recovery, and listens to this episode of 24-inch podcast. It's dedicated to you, my friend. Yeah, get better, and, Tim. Uh, we need to send you on some errands around Los Angeles. You know it. And uh, Tim got a couple of great questions here. Uh, first of all, he wants to say, say uh, what's up, guys? What's your favorite Gorilla Monsoon quote? For instance, mine would be a Pearl Harbor job. <laughs> well, yeah, well, Tim, I know what mine is, and it's always been this way. It's always cracked me up. The fountain of misinformation. Love that and, one. <laughs> and anytime I walk by a fountain in a mall or something, I'm like, oh, there's the fountain of misinformation. I, I, and I also love when Gorilla, once in a while, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but once in a while he'll say that about a face. Maybe about Alfred or like something like, oh, yeah, yeah he's a fountain of misinformation. And that, that really cracks me up. He'll throw that in there out of face once in a while. I always, Tim, what do you, uh, uh, Steve, what do you think? I was going to say, my brothers and I always say that about my step, my former stepfather. Mm. He was a fountain of misinformation because he's always full of shit. I'm uh, sure he was. Uh, one of my uh, favorites is, will you stop? You know, that's, that's a classic. One, it's classic. That's a classic. Yeah, so I'll go with, will you stop? But that's a good question. Paul, you got anything about the gorilla? Will you stop that my favorite? And yeah. Oh, wait, she's in the summer. Who cares for her? <laughs> that's Vince. Paul's- oh, yeah, that, that was a good one. Though. Yeah, that's Paula's favorite Vince we'll, quote. Good we'll one, We'll let that baby. slide even yeah. though it was Vince. You know, same era. At least she's in the arms <laughs> of someone who cares for her. Yeah, George the Animal Steel. <laughs> Good job, baby. See that—that's what's missing nowadays, man. The emotion. That's such an emotional call there. You know, yeah. Even though, you know, it's King Kong stealing. You know, <laughs> he's gonna get up and not see Elizabeth. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. The, the commentary meant just as much as what was going on in the ring. Yeah. Right, what? One more from Tim. All right. What else has Tim got? Also, he wants to know, uh, Bad News Brown would walk from Harlem to Madison Square Garden. 
How long of a walk do you think it would take him? <laughs> uh, yeah, G- Gorilla would say that on commentary every time Bad News at the Garden, and that, that sticks in your head. I would always like visually see that as a kid. Uh, I know it's about five miles from Harlem to MSG, uh, so I'm a, I'm a walker and a runner. I, how long does it take me to walk five miles? Probably take about the same as Bad News. Uh, probably about an uh, hour, hour and change. Yeah, I was going to say an hour and a half, yeah. but I'm guessing. An hour and a half. Yeah. Let's, we'll go on an hour and a half. But, you know, but it might be two hours because bad news might stop and beat a couple guys up on the way. Yeah, kick their ass. Yeah. Scowl at people. There you go. What, one of the great heels. Let's talk about an underrated guy. Stop for bad a news, hot Brown. dog. <laughs> All right, we got an email here um, to our email address. It's the uh, number two, the number four, inchpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, Dave and Steve, I'm looking forward to your upcoming episode on SummerSlam 91. I always felt like this show missed the mark a bit. What? Partially because there was no shenanigans during the Savage Liz wedding. No disruptions, no heel run-ins, no surprises. It was just a normal wedding, which was boring for nine-year-old me at the time. I know there were shenanigans at the wedding reception with Jake, Snake, and whatnot, but still, I think something wild should have happened in the ring at the ceremony. Nobody watches wrestling. For normal weddings. They watch for craziness. Anyway, just my opinion. Love to hear your takes on whether the wedding should have been booked differently. Go ahead, Dave. You're first. Okay. Yeah. I I was at the show. And um, yeah, the whole car ride over, I went with my dad and my Uncle Tito, like I said earlier. The whole ride over, like that was a thing. What's going to happen at the wedding? Like the only wedding we really knew up to that point was uh, Butcher Vachon's on TNT. And of course, Uncle Uncle Elmer Elmer. on Saturday Night's Main Event. And there was action there. So that was the whole thing. Like, because the main event, you know, the Triangle Terror against Hulk and Warriors lopsided. So the thing, like, who's going to, what's going to happen at the wedding? And on Macho Man's Bachelor Party on primetime, I guess they already knew that Warrior was going to be history after the show because um, Jake cut a promo on Macho Man. Uh, Bobby Heenan ran down and Jake said, why didn't Macho Man invite me? And all this stuff. So in my head, you know, I was saying to, uh, dad and Unc, you know, it's probably going to be Jake. They might not have saw the the prime time, so they were na- we're just na- throwing names back and forth. And you know, that it didn't happen. In hindsight, it's nice that Randy and Liz got their moment. That's in hindsight. But there, in 1991, at 11 years old, I'm, I remember when the the balloons were dropping. I got to take one of the balloons home. I've had it in the closet for like six months. But um, everybody was looking towards the entranceway, like who's coming out, who's coming out. And I wasn't that upset then because, you know, it's such a great card and fun. I'm at the paper, my first pay-per-view. And, but then when Saturday came and I'm watching Superstars and you see all the action in, in the back, like, dude, what? Like, this is happening on Superstars. This should have happened when I was there. Like, ah, oh, man. Yeah, that, that still bugs me when I, when I see that. I'm like, you know, what I'm talking about with the Cobra coming out of the gifts at the reception. And Macho Man Elizabeth, if you're here today, I want to know why we weren't invited to the reception. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Paul, what do you think? I think it's just because he doesn't know anything about wrestling. Oh, you think this guy that emailed is a jabroni? Oh, or wow. JP. JP just got called out. Look, I would say that, that maybe they overestimated a little bit the audience's desire to see the happy ending for them. Yeah, you know in hindsight, I, mean? I have no problem with it, especially since they're both gone now. Yeah. And everything. I'm happy that moment's there. I, I think that the from a booking perspective, they just felt like this went over so huge at, you know, WrestleMania. Right? Was it WrestleMania? Yeah. They came back yeah, together. Yeah, WrestleMania 7. Yeah, I think that they just felt like it was such a huge moment 
that they felt like they wanted to pay it off. It, it, it just it's just so it's so non Vince. It is. Vince yeah. loves all the yeah. For whatever know? reason, he was convinced that they needed to um, they needed to do that clean. And maybe it was the maybe if Pritchard was there. Yeah, you know, maybe he I, pushes. That could, he pushes. That could be for it. it. He gets Vince going. Yeah, but um, I think I've heard a rumor since that DiBiase maybe was going to get involved while the Jake and Undertaker were still on um, Warrior. If Warrior stayed, obviously Jake and Undertaker uh, wouldn't have moved on to a feud with Savage. Uh, Jake and Savage, obviously. But uh, I heard that maybe Savage was going to feud with DiBiase in the fall, but that might just be like a Meltzer thing or something like that. But that was a, a, a small rumor, but that, that's all I got. Yeah, and, and you know, another thing is, is like you think back to SummerSlam 88, and let's say someone said as a question and said, why didn't Elizabeth get down to a bikini? And the answer would have been, well, maybe because Macho Man demanded she didn't. Maybe Macho Man demanded this. You know, maybe Macho Man felt like, felt like you know, this was going to be this way and they weren't going to F with it and, you know, whatever. And and, and, and he sure, certainly had the power at the time. Uh, so maybe point. Macho Man just called the shot and said, absolutely not. You know, we're doing a clean. You can mess around at the. The reception, you know, it's a great, great point, Steve. And also, I'd like to add that nobody got. I mean, this was after all the wrestling was over. This is after we saw Hulk Hogan. You know what I mean? Like yep. nobody got up. Nobody got up and headed for, headed for the exit signs. Everybody stayed. Granted, they may have thought something was coming, but even so, everybody stayed for a wedding with no Hulk Hogan afterwards. That that's saying something about uh, the character of Macho Man and, and Elizabeth. All right, what, what's next, Dave? Thank you, uh, JB. Love hearing from you, buddy. Yeah, thank you, JB. Email that was great. anytime. Uh, I got one from uh, the great Kevin Hogan. Here, let me pull this up. Let's see what Kevin has to say this week. Uh, Kevin has two. The first... One of your favorites here, Paula, Kevin's asking about. When the Iron Sheik, Sheiky Baby, was repackaged and returned as Colonel Mustafa, do you remember there being any pushback from the fans like like there was when Prince Albert returned to WWE as Lord Tenzai. Crazy <laughs> comparison there. Or, or, were, or were they more willing to accept it? Uh, I'll give a quick answer before I move on to Stephen Paula. Uh, he, he needed a military ranking if he's going to be in the Triangle of Terror with Sergeant Slaughter and General Adnan. And he yep. couldn't be Iranian. He couldn't be Iranian anymore. So And, and they did, uh, Kevin, they did mention uh, when he came out that he was indeed the Iron Sheik on Superstars and Challenge. The first time he came out, but now he's, you know, he's fled to Iraq or whatever. I just think that, you know, to be part of the triangle and have General Adnan, Sergeant Slaughter and the Iron Sheik with the Iranian flag, it wouldn't have that if it had any effect at all. It wouldn't have the, the effect that it that it did have. So that, that's all. Paul, uh, let me you, ask Paula? you a question, Paula. Were you bothered that the Iron Sheik wasn't called Sheiky Baby on this, that he was called Colonel Mustafa instead? Yeah, well, people can't see you shaking your head. You have to talk. Well, it's way too loud with my headphones on. Your headphones? <laughs> Paula thinks her headphones are too loud. I'll turn them down. How about that? Better. Is that better? Okay, so was it too uh, crazy? Did you not like that they changed his name? No. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't. I mean, my comparison would have been uh, with the Moondog. You know, he it didn't work out with Smash being Smash, right? Uh, everyone caught on to that. Yeah, I think oh, it was ju- just a silly part of the angle. I, yeah, that's all. Yeah, I, yeah, it disappointed. Everyone knew it was Iron Sheik, right? And like you said, they were honest yeah, about they that. They said it, too. Yeah. Fresh coat of paint. Everyone you know I mean? sort of reshaped themselves to be a part of that gimmick, you know? 
Slaughter wasn't really the Slaughter we were used to. Sheik wasn't the Sheik we were used to. And uh, Adnan was presumably different as well, if well, anyone yeah, knew if, anything if brought, about Adnan. If they brought Sheik back in 91, just as Sheik, he'd be opening, you know, uh, opening up the curtain. You know what I mean? Doing sure. the first match and stuff. So it's kind of gave him a little life lifeline. Good call. What else you got? Uh, Kevin has one more. Let's okay. take a look here. Uh, All right, while you're looking, let me yeah. let me see what we got on Facebook. Fred Nichols says there was a house show prior to this where Hulk and Warrior wrestled Slaughter, Sheik, and Undertaker, released on a Coliseum home video. Considering Warrior was feuding with Taker, it makes more sense. It's crazy to me they went with such a weak main event. Taker could have still worked this match and done the face turn angle. Any idea what the story behind this is? If there is one at all, that's from our friend in Elmira, Fred Nichols. What do you think, Dave? Good man, Fred. Uh, Fred, um, well, the face turn for Taker didn't come till uh, February. You know, we're still in August here. What I think, I, I, I remember when I, I got tickets for the show before they announced the main event. Then when I saw the main event, I think I saw it in the magazine because I had a subscription that would come early. I think I saw it in the magazine before they announced the TV. I'm like, what? This is the main event? It's handicapped the other side, if anything. Like, ah, oh, man, this kind of, I mean, I'm glad to be at SummerSlam, glad to see Hulkster, but this kind of stinks, and I agree with you. But the thing with Taker, I think they they knew probably by this time that Taker would be working with Hogan at the Survivor Series in November, and possibly they may even known he was going to take the belt. So I don't think they wanted him in the position in the match where the team's going to lose, or even, you know, even if he didn't lose, maybe if he, like, choked, slammed Sheik and walked out, but that would kind of make him look like a face. I just think I don't think they wanted him in the match because of what's down the line for him at the Survivor Series. But what they could have had, they could have had Undertaker squash Duggan or somebody on the card, you know, to uh, pump him up for that. And of course, all the stuff, all the stuff with Jake Undertaker was, you know, involved with that angle with Warrior and uh, Fred. You know that you know, Warrior, they had all the contract dispute over the summer. They didn't know what his deal was going to be, so it was just like all up in the air. But I think they, my opinion is they held Taker off the card to keep him fresh and hot for uh, Survivor Series with Hulkster. Here's what do you th- think? Here's the thought I had about it when I read this question. They should have had Undertaker in the match. Would have added some star power even then. And here's what I would have done. Show that he's a threat to Hogan. Have a moment in the match where maybe he gets the best of Hulk for a second. So a little like something and Hulk shoots him a look or whatever. And just sort of build on what a threat he is to Hulk. Um, that could have been something to do. Yeah, but, maybe have Sid, Sid throw just throw Undertaker out of the match for choking or something like that. Something, was yeah. You know, I just something. I love this show. You know, and this is the strike against it, right? Is that big the, strike? The too. main event is just so weak, and I know that SummerSlam main events for the most part. Um, take out 90, which was a little different because it was a double main event. They had done tags. Um, but this one is the one of the three tags from the first three that just, it's not a worthy main event. You know, it's a house show match, really, at best. Yeah, I mean, and they did the Desert Storm match already at the at the Garden house show in June. That yeah, awesome. and Hulk. You, you cover on a place to be, I believe. And Hulk, you know, easily beat Slaughter at Mania. At Mania, yeah, I wouldn't say easily, but decisively. Right, not easily, but he got the decisive win, yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, it would have been cool if they did some kind of tag in June at the Garden with Hulk and Warrior to pop the hat. I mean, Warrior had to be on the B-shows. They couldn't be together at the house shows. 
and then have the a Desert Storm match here at SummerSlam? Sure. You know, but uh, I, I think that whole SummerSlam tag team vibe they were going for there. I know in 90 they didn't do it, but uh, 88, 89 big tag team matches are the main event focal point. Then here again, 91. But it's just like, uh, the whole the selling point was, is Sid going to turn? Is Sid going to, you know, attack Hogan and stuff like that? So that was like, eh, you know what I mean? But yeah, the on paper, I enjoyed the match, but on paper, uh, no good. I agree. All right, let me finish out the Facebook, and then we'll close out the segment. Yeah, with, uh, and my apologies to Kevin Hogan. I cannot locate your second question, so if you want to ask it again for the next show, show I'd be glad gladly to answer it then. All right, Jay Hinchy, as much as I enjoyed this year's SummerSlam, for some reason this one still remains my all-time favorite SummerSlam show. Do you think they could have done Hogan versus Slaughter and Warrior Undertaker instead of the handicap match? You know, Jay, I don't know that there'd be a lot of interest in a rematch for Slaughter, but then again, probably wasn't a lot of interest for this main event either, so they, they probably could have done just about anything else, right? I mean, if they would have done Hogan versus Slaughter as a main event and Warrior versus, who does he suggest here, uh, Taker or whoever at a different spot in the card, in retrospect, would we thought any less of it? Probably not. No, I mean, but the Desert Storm match was so good. If that didn't happen on the house shows, it happened here. I think it would go t- go down as an all timer. But they could have done Maybe. the Desert Storm match again because just because you do it in a house show at MSG, that doesn't uh, mean yeah. you can't do it at SummerSlam. I agree, but at MSG, I knew nothing about MSG. that. I knew nothing about that match. If I, they didn't do it at MSG, if they did it everywhere else but MSG, then I would agree. I think for that that audience, you know, fifty percent of them in the crowd would have been also there in June. Or watch it on TV. It would have hurt the live crowd reaction. Maybe. From the, peop- the I, people in New York. I don't think that that's a consideration, really, when they're booking this. If, if SummerSlam was in Pittsburgh, then fine. Just it's because it was yeah, in the garden. I think that's a New it. York. I think that's a New York City opinion you have there. You know, or North, Yeah. I don't think that that would have affected anyone else. But maybe 10,000 people in New York. Well, I mean, I guess maybe they in, in the promos, the localized promos for me, they could have said, yeah, we had one in June, but this one. Hogan, you did this to get by me, and now I'm going to do that. You know, if they mentioned it, then yeah. And my my overall point is, look at what they did was weak. So they could have any other hypothetical you throw out and say, could they have done that? The answer is sure, they could have. Yeah, about a cage. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, of course they could have. Yeah, you know, um, but all right. So I think that's it for emails, Paul. You got anything else? Yeah. Uh, all right, Paul has got one more. Uh, Dave, in the meantime, do you want to announce what we're doing next week? Next week's going to be a little bit different. We're going to take our first step into the house that Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed built, the Philadelphia Spectrum, over there on Prism. Good old, uh, what's his name, uh, Dick Graham. He lives in the basement of the, of the Spectrum. Whoa, Dick Graham. He'll be on the call <laughs> along with the big gorilla, I imagine. Uh, we're going to take a look at one of the unsung Heroes, a household name in professional wrestling that gets no love. No one talk. He's in the Hall of Fame, but people don't talk about this guy like they should. They only seem to bring him up when they bring up Andre the Giant. So I could be talking about none other than from Los Angeles, California. Big John Studd goes one on one with Hulk Hogan at the Spectrum. It's October. It's 1984. Bobby Heenan is brand spanking new in the company. And uh, I can't wait to – then the card looks great, too. I can't wait to watch this card. Yeah, this uh, event is a request uh, from Jeremy Dove and Jose Ruiz, the hosts of the Bigger Than the Game podcast. It's at Bigger 
uh, TT Game Pod on Twitter. Uh, they do uh, sports podcasts, but historical looks. Uh, they connect the past uh, to the present in the world of sports. And uh, they're good dudes up in Philly. And they made a request. We also have a request from uh, Randy Krupski coming up. Um, and we take requests. So if there's anyone out there uh, who wants to request an episode, uh, hit us up and we'll put it on the list. Now, if, Hulk, if Hulk's in it, we won't turn it down. It, it, now, here's the thing, though. If it's WrestleMania 3, um, you'll, you're going to have to wait on that. You know what I mean? Like, it's coming. But you gotta wait. Right, right, right. So, uh, so there's that. All right. We got one more email for Paula. Uh, but I don't know what she's doing under the table. Are you but, ready but, for but, this? But, but again, before Paula goes, yeah. don't don't request WrestleMania three. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's just too obvious. Yeah, let's, we're gonna let's do get that a deeper in good time. All right, yeah. Paula. One more email from you. This is from Willow. Willow the pillow. Yeah, Willow. my little niece Willow. She's only one, right? Yeah, yeah, one, one. years old. Paula. She says, "I know your the jail match was your favorite match on this card. What was your second favorite match?" No. Okay, which one? The, the marriage, the match yeah. made in heaven. It yeah. Was so cute. Yeah. I was a flower girl. That girl was a flower girl. Yeah, Paula has been a flower girl a few times. Dave, what was your favorite uh, match on this card? Oh, uh, Brett and uh, yeah, Kurt stepped out. Same. Uh, and everyone heard my gushing uh, over that yeah. one earlier. Usually it'd be, it'd be hard for me to go against the Hulkster, but with that main event, yeah. you know what I mean? There's nothing really there. All right. Well. With that said, I only have one more thing to ask of everyone. I ask that you please say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and tell your friends about the 24-inch podcast. Sweetie.